Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How is everyone doing today? I hope we're all doing well and fabulous on this Monday, February 28th, 2022, the official last day of the month for this month in this second month of the year. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to Lone Star News, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Michael Aaron Gossetis, otherwise known as Mr. C. Ladies and gentlemen, and we're here live with you for a special edition of Lone Star News because it's what time again? It is primary time, and we will be doing some ballot election, election ballot reviewing uh, as we get ready to go into the primaries tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Now, a lot of people are asking me, Mr. C, why on earth would you wait until the Monday before primaries to release this information? Well, I'll tell you why, ladies and gentlemen. To be frank, and you guys know I don't like to be frank because I already look enough like a hot dog. Well, the pr primary reason is because, um, well, I believe in voting on election day, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but for those of you who've already cast your votes in the Texas primaries, well, I'm happy for you, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, well, you know, we'll just hope that you did your research and you did your background checks. No, just kidding. We, I mean, we can't do background checks per se on our candidates, but I'm sure that's already taken care of before they, uh, they get into the race, uh, that they are, uh, that they are running for. Anyhow, guys, we have, uh, quite a load to get through today. As you all may know, we went, we had a part one of this uh, topic yesterday that we aired. We went through all 10 of the propositions for the statewide competition. Uh, you know, we didn't go through the governor. We didn't go through the AG because we pretty much already know where our votes are going to be casted for that. We touched on minutely the uh, lieutenant governor. Uh, that's competition that I think you guys are going to have to dig into for yourself because we had way more important stuff to to talk about than that, guys. We have way more important stuff than the top three offices. God, I wish the Secretary of State was uh, voted for in the state of Texas. That's something we got to fix, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but uh, we will be looking at today the land commissioner. The land commissioner, ladies and gentlemen, the land commissioner is... Uh, an interesting race this year, guys, and I don't know, I have my theories about why the position of the land commissioner, just the contest, I mean, we're talking, we're talking death, we're talking scandal, we're talking just, it's, it's one of the most dramatic competitions I've seen ever, probably, you know, well, maybe, maybe not since the 2020 general election, but it is, uh, it is quite, it is quite, uh, it's quite, quite dramatic. Okay, so that will be an interesting one to look at. Um, and let's see. Oh, I take that back. That's not land commissioner. That's railroad commissioner. Okay, we're going to be looking at the railroad commissioner. Now, that's the one that's just dramatic and all over the place. Okay, we are going to be looking at the land commissioner, though, because that is a very packed race. We have a lot of candidates and a lot of people to go through. We're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, two, four, seven, seven candidates, including, including a twice endorsed President Trump candidate, who I'll admit, 
Yesterday, I kind of went hard on her. I kind of went hard on her. I kind of gave her the rhino song, okay? I kind of... That's because of some of her viewpoints uh, on where she stands. But we have some clarification. So if you all have cast your vote in uh, the Texas primary already and you have voted for Don Buckingham... You won't have to feel that bad. Is she going to be my choice candidate? Uh, We'll see. We'll see. She is a twice-endorsed President Trump candidate. Or twice-endorsed by Trump candidate. Okay? So, um, you know, she... Well, we'll we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, But like I said, we'll also be going through not just those positions. We'll also be going through... uh, We'll be going through the uh, position for Texas Supreme Court. We have a seat opening up on that. And we also have a seat opening up for the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, which if any of you all know kind of the way that works when it comes down to the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, they're basically the last, they have the last say on, uh, they're like the Supreme Court for Criminal Appeals. Like you can't go higher than that. And, uh, well, uh, I, it, is, it is my position that everyone who is currently sitting on the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals needs to be replaced. And we'll tell you why that is in just a little while, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you again for joining us here on this Monday afternoon. I know we don't normally go live this early on a Monday afternoon, uh, but fear not, we will still have the C report coming at you later on this evening. So you're getting a twofer today. Now, if you are Texas kinfolk or you you have Texas friends and family, I would recommend you guys get them on the horn and let them know that this show is out there. Like I said, unless you already voted in the primary which is totally fine. It's just, I'm an election day kind of person. And so I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be out there tomorrow voting for my choices in the Texas GOP primary. Okay. And uh, hey, Texas gal, how's it going? Good to see you this afternoon. And glad glad you're stopping in with us. Uh, And so anyway, so like I said, here's what you can do, guys. If you would like to catch up on... Uh, our show now, like I said, I only run this so late because I I'm a I'm a I'm an election day kind of person, so you know it is my hope <laughs> that you guys are also election day voters. I wouldn't persecute you if you're not, because of course, at least you're casting your vote. And I think that's what the most important thing is here that you do. But you know, with all of the election fraud and all of the election shenanigans that have been going on, uh, that have been more readily obvious, more radiantly seeable, uh, particularly with what happened in 2020, uh, I think one of the best ways that we can safeguard our elections if our legislators aren't doing it themselves is to get in an election day vote. You know, when people turn out on election day, it's harder for them to figure out or check a pulse about where they need to uh, where they need to install extra inflated votes, where the election reporting or election registration information center, Eric, where they need to uh, inflate their amount of voters who are registered to vote and, and turn them on and turn them off at their own will. So it just makes the game a little bit harder for them whenever we vote on election day, as opposed to voting on uh 
uh, early elections. And so that's why I do election day voting. And that's why, uh, you know, a ballot prep like this comes in very late in the game, even though people are like, dang it, you know, maybe I didn't want to vote for that person. Maybe I wanted to vote. Maybe we had more insight into uh, what we were seeing uh, through shows like mine, because we're digging, we're digging a little bit deeper than the average bear, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> here at the Sea Report. And, and, you know, it's a tough ticket. We've got a tough ticket this primary season because there are so many GOP hopefuls. There are so many conservative uh, Texans who have thrown their hat into the ring. It was a tough one, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you what, but we're going to get there. And as I like to say, I'm not trying to tell you all who to vote for. Ultimately, that lies with you, your conscience and God, ladies and gentlemen. As long as you get out there and vote, I'm happy. Uh, But, you know, I will kind of give you a little bit of who I think, you know, who I'll tell you who I'm going to vote for, but ultimately that choice is up to yours. And then the other thing that we are considering uh, as we are going through this ballot is that there are so many people running in so many competitions, okay, particularly for the GOP, particularly for conservatives, for Republicans, uh, that I left it up to the listeners and the viewers to do their research on their own district, uh, district congressional and Texas representatives as well as senators because some of you guys, y'all's ticket is a mess. We're talking like eight people. I'm talking to you, District 35. Like you guys, oh my goodness. And th- they weren't the only ones. There are a few other uh, uh, competitions that you got like more than four who are running. And then, you know, most unfortunately, we'll take a look at the ballots in a second. We'll take a look at the competitions in a second. There are a couple of districts where we have Democrats running unopposed. Like, what is up with that? Come on, Texas, let's get it together, okay? Because the point is that, uh, you know, where we don't like to play party politics, it just so happens that uh, most of my values align conservative, and I'm a gay Hispanic. So what does that say to you, ladies and gentlemen? uh, they don't lo- they don't run Democrat and they don't run progressive and they don't run socialist because I mean just no, ladies and gentlemen, no, 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 no. So most of my values run conservative, so that's why I go for the GOP. But you know, to see so many there are a lot of competitions that Democrats were running unopposed, and I just find that very disheartening. I, I don't understand how we don't have an America first or a conservative or even a Republican running in those competitions. So that's kind of disheartening, you know. Uh maybe it's somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, but I don't I mean you I don't know, guys. I couldn't explain it to you. All right, guys. So before we get started into today's show, don't forget you can check out The Sea Report and also Lone Star News over at our podcast. Now, we are broadcasting live today on uh, the foxhole.app, pill.net, Twitch, Clout Hub, Rumble. Uh, those are our mainstays. We are also broadcasting on SusanTube today as well. Now, yesterday's episode of Lone Star News, we broadcasted on SusanTube, but I removed that episode because we inevitably spoke a lot about Charlie Victor Diecinueve and the inoculations, and I didn't want to get a strike on that random, you know, uh, account that I have that is just there for my entertainment, okay? 
<laughs> so I removed that episode yesterday before, you know, before the uh, before the uh, the miners could get to it. But uh, we are broadcasting live today on Susan Tube. If you can find it, good for you. If you can't, well, we'll probably put it into private mode because we're not going to be talking about Charlie Victor Desinueva today. We're not going to be talking. Oh, I already talked about election integrity. Jeez, Louise, Susan, you got me like this, Susan. Okay, anyways, you can check out Lone Star News and the Sea Report at anchor.fm slash the Sea Report. And that's for those of you who cannot catch a live, a live, uh, a live broadcast. For those of you who uh, don't have time to glue your eyes to a screen, you can take me in your ears. You can get us on the go, and you can get the same episodes uh, that we do live and in person on all of our live streaming podcasts. Uh, we are current uh, Lone Star News number twenty-four, which is the Texas GOP primary prep part one. Like I said, it's uh, Propositions 1 through 10, vote yes. Rhino Abbott, Glenn Hegar, the state comptroller, does not support our troops. Just some of the topics that we went through yesterday, guys. So uh, if you are uh, still, uh, if you still have not cast your ballot, if you have Texas family and friends, kinfolk who have not voted yet and are voting tomorrow, please forward them the podcast. Go over to anchor.fm slash the sea report so they can get part one. And then uh, afterwards, done with today's episode, I will get this episode uploaded to our podcast ASAP. Because like I said, I'm an election day voter, so you gotta wait for these episodes until I know that there are no more early early voting days left. But you can do that over at anchor.fm slash the sea report. All right, guys, that's part one of our housekeeping, part two of our housekeeping, the sea report. We're almost done with the website. I'm making a few last modifications and it's that resources page that is taking the longest guys uh but in the meantime you can join the email list in fact uh we will probably notify all of those on our email list when the website goes live so you will be the first to know when it happens ladies and gentlemen at the creport.com sign up for that email list uh we still have a few free stickers to give out guys so if you join that email list we'll get you on the uh we'll get you a free sticker if you so choose to get one uh people who have already signed up for the email list. I already sent out a communication to get that address so we can get you this these free, durable, and promotional matte stickers that come to you from Printus Maximus, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know who Printus Maximus is, uh, that is the uh, brainchild of BrainPod, ladies and gentlemen. I think he's live right now too, but anyways... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, BrainPod, for assisting us on that design. They're they're quite handsome stickers. So uh, go ahead and do that for show, ladies and gentlemen. Let me get my little tag up here again. Okay. And with that, we're off, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Sean, Joe. Hey, Relanon. Thank you for joining us live. And thank you for gifting uh, those donations over there at um, uh, pill.net and foxhole.app. Most appreciated. Okay. So what are we talking first, ladies and gentlemen? We're going to do, uh, we're going to, we say voter guide, but you know, it's just, uh, it's just a, a graphic that I got for us over here. It's nothing. We're not really giving you a guide to voting. We're, we're, we're spilling the beans on some of these candidates. Okay. Uh, first up, the first, the first competition we're going to tackle, ladies and gentlemen, I believe is going to be the land commissioner office or competition contest. Uh, let me go ahead and get that on the screen here for you guys. Cause it's a doozy. 
Okay, so, uh, all right. Well, we're going to start with this one here, guys. Now, uh, Don Buckingham. Okay, I went hard on Don Buckingham yesterday. Let me make sure I don't got... She's. We got a lot of info on Don Buckingham. Okay, so we don't... Oh, okay. That's not what I want it to do. Let me get this open for you real quick. Uno momento, uno momento. I wanted to give you guys an overview of what... The Oh, actually, you know what we can do first? Let me do this. All right, Don, take a back seat. This is what we were going to do. This is the proper order of the story, not what I was just doing, guys. Don't pay attention to that last little bit right there. Okay, we were going to look at the ballot. Okay, so let us do that. Now, we're going to start with Texas Land Commissioner, just as I said. Let me go ahead and do it this way. All right, and uh, Land Commissioner. The Texas Land Commissioner manages minerals for public lands in Texas and oversees the Alamo. Uh, the race is wide open as uh, George Prescott Bush, so named for a Nazi and a pedophile, is running for Attorney General. Now, I'm pretty sure George Prescott Bush is the son of Jeb. If you look at his goofy smile, <laughs> you see the gums of Jeb Bush. So anyways, we already talked about the attorney general position. And of course, uh, you know, my vote's going for Paxton. Uh, Gomert was a close second, but Gomert, uh, well, I mean, I just, I can't put my full faith and trust in him. So we're not going to be voting for Gomert here. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know he's an America first candidate. I know he's a uh, Trump supported, uh, but Paxton also did receive Trump's endorsement and, uh, Paxton has proven himself on the battlefield. I think more than Louis Gomert's voting record has shown where he stands. When the man is in absentia and does not show up to vote on key conservative issues, that's just an issue for me. And so that's why I'm not voting for Louis Gomert, but I am voting for Ken Paxton. The choice is yours, ladies and gentlemen. I ain't going to hold you to the fire, but uh, I mean, where the rubber meets the road, I guess that's what we will see. Now, the Texas Land Commissioner actually does more than just that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, they do more than oversee the Alamo. Uh, it's, it, it, there's a lot of things that go into it. They also, uh, they also have a lot of deals with the veterans. They also do a lot of things for the schools. Uh, the, like we're talking like money, uh, overseeing the money that goes into the schools is handled by the land commissioner. Okay. So they, they have that role as well. Uh, let me see here if I can't get you a much better. So the Texas land commissioner is a state executive right? Uh, let me let me go ahead and expand this while I explain it to you. It's a state executive position in a Texas government. The land commissioner serves as the elected head of the Texas General Land Office. And the General Land Office's mission statement is the Texas General Land Office serves the school children, veterans, and all the people of Texas by preserving their history, protecting their environment, expanding economic opportunity, and maximizing state revenue through innovative administration and prudent stewardship of state land and resources. So they actually do a lot more than just protect the Alamo. But, you know, that's very interesting stuff there, guys. Now, um, looking down the list of our candidates for Texas Land Commissioner, uh, 
We've got a pretty full field. We've got Ben Armenta, Victor Avila, Don Buckingham, uh, Rufus Lopez, Weston Martinez, Don W. Minton, John Spears, Tim Wesley. Who's a boy to vote for in this competition, ladies and gentlemen, with that many people? Now, I will tell you, Don Buckingham received two endorsements from President Trump. So right away, I have a feeling that she's probably going to take this competition. Now, admittedly, yesterday, I went hard on Don Buckingham. I called her a rhino, okay? Uh, since that time, I verified more information on her, so I will retract the rhino bid. But do I necessarily think that she's the best candidate? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, we also have, I think... Uh, uh, I, okay, so people who I will tell you that I think are to watch. Don Buckingham, Victor Avila... Weston Martinez and uh, Tim Wesley, I think would be my favorite picks. If I had to pick three, it would be between Victor Avila, Don Buckingham and Tim Wesley as far as candidates go. Okay, now we're going to get into the rest of the candidates. So this way you guys aren't in the dark about these individuals. So let me go ahead and pull up that other screen that I had previously all right, guys, here we go. Let's do an examination of our candidate, starting with Don, Don, Don Buckingham, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I think that she is the contender to beat. I honestly think because she's received two endorsements from uh, President Trump that uh, she will probably be the primary pick for this competition, okay? Now, I am retracting my rhino bid on her, but you, I'll show you guys why I felt so strongly about her being a possible rhino. Uh, I mean, she still could be. You know, I, she'll really prove herself once she is in the position. Let's start with this. Uh, let's start with this article from the Texas Scorecard. Now, uh, here in the Texas Scorecard, what I wanted to do was actually focus on the first the first endorsement from President Trump. It came in 2001, guys. Now, she just received a second endorsement from President Trump, which I have also here. Let me uh, get myself in order once again. Okay, I'm going to pull this one down here so I can read you guys that second endorsement. Okay, so uh, this one from Don Buckingham in uh, 2001. According to her campaign, Buckingham enters the race with more than $2 million. Now, Don Buckingham is a state senator or Originally, as she is vacating that seat as she is running for Texas Land Commissioner. She is a state senator from Lakeway. Now, guys, I used to work in Lakeway. It's a very, very affluent area in Texas. It's got a beautiful, beautiful, I mean, it, Lakeway is really pretty. Okay, I worked over there for about a year and change. Um, I like Lakeway. Like, Lakeway is beautiful. Uh, that doesn't have, but you see, I still call her a rhino, right? Anyway. <laughs> Okay, well, here's what uh, President Trump had to say about Don Buckingham in 2001. Is this, do I got her? Do I got her? Don't tell me it's not here. Okay. Okay, that's going to be the next slide. Okay, let's, uh, let's see what it has. Let's see what Don Buckingham has to say about, uh, about her, her mission as, uh, as uh, this. Okay, so she says here, and I quote it, I will be running for land commissioner with a strong conservative record defending the right to life. 
our Second Amendment, our invaluable oil and gas industry, and the low-tax economy that has made Texas great. Conservatives know just how important the Texas General Land Office is. The GLO is responsible for important functions that serve our Texas veterans, school children, and preserving our unique Texas history. It's my goal as your next Texas Land Commissioner to safeguard the heroes who served in our military, protect our exceptional natural resources, and protect our unique heritage, Texas heritage, especially the Alamo. You know, the Alamo has come under fire, of course, because slavery, right? And uh, because uh, Black Lives Matters. But, you know, all of the uh, all of the Texas land commissioners uh, that are running right now, the candidates, all, all that's an angle that all of them are using. And that's the, pretty much the only angle that you're hearing from in like the news and, and local news, Texas news is the Alamo, the Alamo, the Alamo. Everyone, God save the Alamo, which, you know, obviously, yes. Uh, I mean, I live here in San Antonio, the home of the Alamo. So, I mean, I, I see it whenever I want. You know, it's a, it's a three-ring circus over there, guys. Now, here is the first, uh, the first um, uh, endorsement from President Trump that Don Buckingham received. Uh, it says here, a senator and a doctor, Don Buckingham was one of my very first supporters in the great state of Texas. She has served in the Senate for eight years, is highly respected, and is someone who can always be counted on to do the right thing for her state. She is running for the position of land commissioner in order to protect the great legacy of Texas, including defending the Alamo, which, like all other amazing institutions, is under siege. She is strong on borders. Our Second Amendment law enforcement loves our military and our vets. Don has my complete and total endorsement. Okay, so that was endorsement number one from President Trump. Here comes endorsement number two. Now, endorsement number two was just like thrown out there, like yesterday. Okay, so it actually has a lot of people on the ticket, not just uh, good old Don there. Uh, but uh, as per Trump's endorsement, See, he, 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 he shot off four endorsements in one. Cause I mean, he did like, he did like over a dozen Texas endorsements in the last week and a half. Very, very bottom here. If you guys can read it, let me remove that little banner. It says uh, conservative Don Buckingham is my choice for Texas land commissioner. She will protect the great story of the Alamo and fight for the oil and gas industry against Joe Biden. Vote for Don Buckingham. Now Don has my complete and total endorsement. Well, president Trump, Am I going to vote for Don Buckingham? Okay, if I were to follow on the strategy of not splitting the ticket, I should vote for Don Buckingham. She's going to, she's going to, she is after all going to get the, I really believe she's going to get the, the spot. Does that mean I'm going to vote for her? Uh, I haven't decided yet, guys, but I'm just laying, he, I'm just laying down all of the, the tracks on these, these candidates, Okay. So this way, uh, you and any other Texas folk who have not voted yet can make a decision for yourselves. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, get the net. Let's go ahead and do this here real quick. Okay, so what else have we got on Miss Dawn Buckingham? Don't worry, guys. I'll tell you why I was kind of opposed to her. Now, okay, so one of the things that we read yesterday in brief 
was actually about her stance on abortion. So apparently she's pro-life as long as it's with, uh, within, within three months. So in other words, she's okay with an abortion as long as it's not within three months. Now that was according to one of the uh, record keepers that I read. Okay, so that was one of the primary reasons. The other reason why I was opposed to Don Bu- uh, Buck- Buckingham, right? That's her name. Buckingham is because uh, red flag law, red flag laws on guns, guys. Like she believes in more. She believes in more, uh, more, um, more supervision. She believes in psychological evaluations when it comes to purchasing guns. She believes in a heavier background check when it comes to purchasing purchasing guns. Like so, I mean, for me, period. Anyone who wants more more background checks and uh, more regulations on purchasing guns prior to, I just know, you know, like psychological evaluations, really like that's a red flag law. Like who's going to really determine that a psychologist, your neighbor, your, your ex-girlfriend who's super angry at you because you broke up with her and, oh, he must be crazy because he broke up with me. Let me go and report him. Let's get a flag on him. And then he can't go purchase a gun. Like, no, I just do not believe. And so Don Buckingham does believe like to me, that's like a Dan Crenshaw kind of move, even though he's like a thousand times worse. Right. So that was those were the two reasons why I say nay to Don Buckingham. Okay. So just so we can clear that up, does that mean she's a bad choice for Texas land commissioner? Well, as long as she's not able to do anything about our guns as Texas land commissioner, then okay, President Trump, I guess, you know, you get what you want, you know, you get what you deserve. And then also I think she, uh, she believed, uh, and we'll go over that, that note where I saw this information again. She also believed that, uh, we should, uh, the state should be able to enforce a lockdown <laughs> to, to help thwart uh, Charlie Victor Nueva. So anyways, I mean, okay, let's take a look at this article. This is also on Don Buckingham. This is also from the fantabulous Texas scorecard. Uh, autopsy report monument protection efforts lack tangible results. Let me see why I brought this one to our tent. Her name should be in here somewhere. I think this just had to do with something with like a name that she had her, uh, her a bill that she had her name on. Uh, yeah, down here, the Senate seemingly was reluctant to bring up any of the following two bills in their chamber at all. Uh, this had to do with uh, Texas monuments and stuff. So she was uh, she. So, so what this was just showing is that she has authored bills that protect Texas monuments and that type of thing, and that she was she was part of that process. But again, the Texas Senate didn't really do anything about it. Okay, so that's the point of bringing this up, just to show yes, she there is some sauce. She does actually support, you know. Uh, um, uh, saving our monuments and stuff like that. A uh, bill that would have provided uniformity in law on both uh, state and local levels uh, by which public monuments and memorials could be removed, relocated, or altered got set on the floor calendar for the overall House representatives. Okay, so that was on that one. And let me see here for... Uh, uh, that's House bill. Where's you at? Where are you at? Final, 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 final. I guess I don't have that on here. Okay. Well, point being, she supports it. She was one who authored it and co-authored a bill. So we're good to go on that, guys, as far as that is concerned. And so that was the point of bringing this up here, guys. Oh, check this out, though. This this idiot, George P. Bush, you know, George Prescott Bush, named after a Nazi and a pedophile. 
who's running for AG. Look at what he tried to do as as Texas land commissioner. He tried to, he wants to reimagine the Alamo and he wanted to move the cenotaph. Alt so if you guys don't know what the cenotaph is, it's this huge marble like uh, monument in front of the Alamo. And uh, it's like, you know, it's historical, it's commemorative, you know, it's a monument and he wanted to remove it. Like <laughs> Anyways, okay, so yeah, George P. Bush, good, good, good luck there, buddy. Running for Texas AG, everyone sees right through you. Okay, Texas lawmakers will finalize top election integrity bill. Now, here's another good thing about Don Buckingham. So, if you voted for her, you can vote in confidence, guys. Okay, she also was one of the strongest when it came to comprehensive election reform and election integrity laws. In fact, she was uh, on the uh, a committee that actually helped pass this in Texas. So we'll go ahead and we'll go through the length of this article again by the fantabulous Texas scorecard. Uh, it says here, House and Senate conference committee members will hammer out a final version of comprehensive election reform, a top priority of grassroots conservatives. Ten Texas lawmakers will decide which reforms get included in the final version of the legislators' top-tier election integrity bill in a process likely to receive limited public scrutiny. This session, the House and Senate each proposed their own comprehensive omnibus bills addressing election integrity, a top legislative priority of grassroots conservatives and Republicans. Uh, House Bill 6 by State Senator Representative Briscoe Kane and Senate Bill 7 by State Senator Brian Hughes. Now, those guys are awesome, Kane and Hughes. Both chambers eventually approved SB 7, but the House and Senate past versions are significantly different. Uh, those differences must now be reconciled by a bipartisan group known as the Conference Committee, which consists of five members. Uh, the Senate appointed its SB 7 conferees on Monday, and those included Don Buckingham, okay, and uh, let's see here. And then there's your house conferees. So uh, basically, uh, she, I mean, we already have this bill passed. It's already done and it did have significant strengths. Now, everything that I'm complaining about as far as election integrity goes in Texas has to do with uh, technical and minute things like the ERIC system, you know, like not doing canvassing with this whole, uh, this whole sham audit that we're doing here in our state. Uh, very technical things with also like uh, a lot of things that were addressed supposedly in the audit um, um in the audit uh, uh, details, everything that's coming out about it, but it's just all technical stuff. You know, it's stuff that like, uh, they're not talking about how they turned off and they removed all these voters after the election. Like, why aren't we looking at why they were on there to begin with? And why aren't we discrediting those, uh, those, uh, those like the dead voters, the illegal voters, the duplicate voters? Why aren't we discrediting those? Or why aren't we looking at how that played a role in the election. Um, is it because Donald Trump won and so we shouldn't care? I don't think so. We need to know the real numbers, the real conflation of what they did. We need to have that addressed here in Texas so we have a clear view of what we're looking at here, guys, when we move into 2022 and into 2024. We can't just be happy that Trump won. We have to know that this is, we have to know that Eric's not going to turn on all of these duplicate and illegal and, and dead voters again in the future um, election and not just be satisfied with what we got. I mean, it's ridiculous. Okay. All right, guys. Now, here's where I went really hard on Don Buckingham. She's got a lot of articles. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you can find on this lady. 
Anyhow, so uh, I went hard on her because of the fact that uh, when it came to uh, abortion, she was okay with it as long as it wasn't within three months of the due date, right? Okay, well, there's some clarification here. January 13th, Texas Right to Life, which is one of the main organizations that was fighting for abortion uh, abortion. Uh, criminality, <laughs> I guess you could say in Texas, uh, like they raided her guys. Like they, they have a, um, they have a, uh, a, a scorecard, so to speak for them. They have a, uh, progress, progress report on them and Don Buckingham scored a 100. Okay. So I don't know. I guess you can't really argue with that. Um, let's take a look at this real quick. It says, uh, less than two months away from the Republican primary, Texas Right to Life has released their legislative scorecard for incumbent politicians. The pro-life scorecard is the most effective way for pro-life Texans to evaluate if their elected officials adequately represented their pro-life values in Austin, said Texas Right to Life Legislative Director Dr. John Sego. While the pro-life movement in Texas celebrates the victories of the Texas Heartbeat Act and fully funded the alternatives to abortion program, there is still much work to be done in the Capitol to protect every Texan from fertilization to natural death. Republican senators scored extremely well with state senators Brian Hughes, Bob Hall, Brandon Creighton, Paul Betancourt, Angela Paxton, Kelly uh, Hancock, Lois Colkhurst, Don Buckingham, and Charles Perry scoring a full 100. So good job, Don Buckingham. I I renounce my rhino my my rhino declarations on you on this issue, like I did yesterday. If you scored a full one hundred, that means that every piece of legislation that you voted for was pro life. And I don't think if uh, the Texas Heartbeat Act had passed, she would have been able to. If it, if she, it had passed and she had she was still on this whole, as long as it's uh, outside of three months, then uh, she wouldn't have gotten a hundred because we all know that the Texas Heartbeat Act does not even allow that. Now, Angela Paxton, I'm going to pull up because she's actually running for another office, an office I don't think that we are actually considering in this, um, in this, uh, in this um, uh, ballot prep uh, session that we're doing. Uh, But she is running, let me see what she's running for here. Aha! Abbott appeared at <laughs> Alamo Re- Amarillo residents protest Abbott's appearance at a, a party event. That's funny. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> what is she running for? Angela Paxton. What are you running for? Okay. You know what? Let me go back over here. It'll be easier for me to see it on this page. Where are you at, Gur? Okay. Paxton. 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 Let me see what you're what you're running for, Gur Paxton. She's running for Texas Senate District Number Eight. So if you are in Texas Senate District Eight, that's a that's a Texas race, not a federal race. Texas. She is running for eight. She's actually the incumbent, and uh, actually a lot of people I've seen have their eyes on her. So, anyhow, okay, all right. Getting back into what we're talking about. And we're still on dun, 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 Texas Land Commissioner. Hey, Sean Joe, thank you for uh, thank you for uh, donating that cookie, sir. I appreciate you. Hey, MacGyver, what's up? Hey, AP nine eight eight nine, how's it going? Sean Joe says Victor Avila is Bannon's can. Interesting enough, 
if I were to be picking a candidate, Avila was actually on my... It's between Avila and one other person for me right now. I mean, I know we're reviewing Don Buckingham, but, uh, well, we'll get to them in just a sec, guys. So let's go for this. Yeah, Avila actually... Actually, Avila was one of my top two. So... And it's good to know that he's actually uh, on uh, Bannon's Bannon's uh, um, to-do list, <laughs> to-vote-for list. I, did, I was not even aware of that. I'm going to want to actually kind of look for it. I didn't see it. You see, I don't see Bannon's war room every day. Let me type that in real quick. Um, Victor Avila. Okay, we'll see if... Uh, Something comes up on that. Bannon, Bannon, Bannon. War room, pandemic, thinking conservative. Uh, I think we got an article on the thinking conservative. Okay. All right. Let's take a look at our next article with Don Buckingham. Let's see if we have another article with Don Buckingham. Don, Don Buckingham. Okay. So here's where I got this information on her yesterday. Let's just go through this real quick. Now, this is I side with. So basically, they do research on their voting record. Now, there are only two candidates for the land commissioner that I could find on this website, Don Buckingham and Dr. John Spears, who we'll go over with in just a bit. Uh, but look at these annoying commercials like on the side here. Can Do I get an immersive? I don't get. OK. All right. We're going to have to deal with it for now. I guess uh, we're not advertising for these people here. Go away. <laughs> Go away. Okay, that's better. All right. Uh, so here's some of her policies. Don Buckingham. Uh, do you support legalization of same-sex marriage? Yes, but allow churches the right to refuse. Uh, stuff that doesn't really matter here. See, here's what is your, ch what is your stance on abortion? Pro-choice, but ban after the first three months. Okay, but she scored a 100 according to Texas Right to Life. So uh, this might be a little dated, but then again, does this mean that she's a flip-flopper, right? Okay, uh, should the federal government require people to wear face masks uh, during Charlie Victor uh, fun times? No, eh, that's pretty good then. Should a police officer be required to wear body cameras? Yes, but only for patrol officers in high crime areas. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got that's interesting? Should the government enforce a stay-at-home order to combat a Charlie Victor? Yes, she says. Okay. Uh, should there be more restrictions on the current process for purchasing guns? Yes. See, that's a big red flag for me right there. Yes. Require strict background checks, psychological testing, and training. I'm sorry. I just don't agree with these red flag laws right here. No, I don't agree with it. You know, I mean, training is a good thing, right? But it, I mean, I don't know. As far as a, a pre, pre, um, uh, pre, uh, uh, what is it called? Preemptive uh, measure? I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, do you support the impeachment of uh, President Trump? No, that's good. Should the government require employees of large businesses to be victorized? Nope. <laughs> Charlie victorized. So that's good. Should the government increase environmental regulations on climate change? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, come on, girl. Don't tell me you believe that. Uh, I don't know. Climate change. Okay. So anyway, so this is kind of where I went. Look, should the government continue to fund Planned Parenthood? Yes. Okay. I mean, I don't, you know, you know, I just know, you know, like, or at least put, at least put the clause in here that as long as they don't support funding abortions through Planned Parenthood, I mean, that would at least make that statement better in my opinion. So you see, this is where I was like, she's a, uh, she's a, uh, what do you call it? She's a rhino. She could be, I mean, she could be a rhino guys. 
just based on those two metrics right there. Okay. So anyways, uh, that is basically that. Uh, they ask another question here about the 2020 election, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, look at this. Should the U.S. raise taxes on the rich? Yes. Okay, I mean, you know, I'm not rich, but I don't think that we should raise taxes on them. I think we should cut taxes for everyone, you know, and then figure out another way. Anyways, that's just me. Uh, was the 2020 presidential election conducted fairly? That's a good answer, Don. Okay, I think that's why you got President Trump's vote. And maybe she knows at what angle to get at him with, right? You know, so anyhow. Okay, so we'll, we'll, I think we're done with Don Buckingham for now, guys. So uh, I don't know. You guys do what you will with that information. I don't think I'm going to vote for her, honestly. Uh, but I know she got President Trump's, uh, you know, his, his vote of confidence. But, well... Okay, guys, let's talk. Okay, there is there is a, a weird epidemic of Hispanic-ish candidates that have this look. If you look at Nuremberg, Castro, George Prescott, Bush, and this guy, they all have this weird, vacant, mole smile. I just, no, okay? <laughs> I don't know. This, I don't, I mean... You know, we're not supposed to be, I'm all like right in the screen. We're not supposed to be judgmental based on appearance, but uh, you know, a picture says a lot of words. Like, you know, when, when just looking at someone also, I get a sense of judgment or I get a feel, a vibe, you know, and there's just something about this line. Like, I know, no guys, no. Okay. This is, uh, this is candidate, uh, Ben Armenta. Okay. Ben Armenta. He's running for Texas land commissioner as well. Let's see what we got on Ben Armenta. We'll look at his biography. Let's see what that can say. Because there actually was not a whole lot of information on this man. Uh, but we will pull open what we what we can get, right? Ben Armenta, he grew up in Round Rock. Okay, so good for him. He went to A&M. He served in the Corps Cadets as a freshman class president. Okay, so anyways, all right. Uh, he, he, went and he went to go live in Ohio, okay? So after spending a few years residing in Ohio and internationally, uh, they returned to Houston in 2006. He started his career consulting with Accenture, where he has advised some of the largest companies in the world on efficiency and effective management, reducing waste and realizing untapped value for their employees and customers. Ben has started to grow multiple companies, including Stalwart Consulting, a global oil and gas consulting firm. Ah, doesn't make me feel comfortable. Ben has been an active conservative in politics by serving as a board of trustees on Houston for the Houston Business Region Coalition. And he led the 2020 public policy strategy for the Greater Houston Partnership. He lives in Katy, Texas. Okay. Katy's a pretty town, you know, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't get a really good vibe with this guy. Um, let me see what else we got. Okay. That's all we got. That's all we got for Ben Armenta. I'm not voting for Ben Armenta. I mean, like I said, there was not much information available. So that's about all we got. Now, pictured on the screen here, guys, we have Victor Avila. Victor Avila, who Sean Joan, the audience has informed me, is Steve Bannon's pick. Now, everyone knows I am a Bannon fan. So that, uh, you know, so before, okay, before I tell you who the second person I had 
uh, in mind for voting, Victor Avila was my guy, right? And then, you know, going through the rest of the list, I was like, okay, maybe this guy too. So for me, it's a toss up between Victor Avila and this other individual who we'll get to in a little bit. Don Buckingham, I know, President Trump, I know, but I just, there's something about her that doesn't, and if she's been in the Senate at Texas for eight years, how come Texas isn't fixed yet, right? Like, how could, if she's so good, <laughs> how come Texas is still not fixed, okay? She should have been on it, right? Not just jumping on the Trump train around 2018, okay? I'm just saying, guys. I'm just saying, all right? That's just how I feel. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be square or crosswise with anyone who voted for her uh because after all I mean she is a Trump endorsee and if 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 she should should prove to do things otherwise from what she should be doing as Texas land commissioner then uh we'll we'll be able to hold her accountable and we'll be able to get her out okay so that's all I got to say about that Texas gal says I saw Victor in an interview with Nino uh, pretty passionate. I also read up on him. Need some, need some not ego in here. So does that mean he has a big ego or I don't understand your last sentence there. And I don't know who Nino is either, but anyways. Okay. So let's see here. Victor Avila. Let's see what we found on this man. All right. This is from the conservative, the thinking conservative Difference of opinion leads to inquiry and inquiry to truth. I like that. That's Thomas Jefferson. Now, I don't know much about the thinking conservative, but I like the title of whatever this is. So, okay. Um, Battle-tested Texan and political outsider. That already, uh, that already sounds appealing to me, to be quite honest. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Issues. He's running for Texas Land Commissioner. It says, secure our borders. Victor has been in the fight on our southern border for his entire career, having served as a supervisory special agent for the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So he, he was a supervisor special, a special agent for ICE. His extensive experience includes everything from engaging in high-level diplomacy to battling human trafficking to fighting to seek justice after a cartel ambush and spearheading legislation to protect our agents serving abroad. Victor understands that the $5 billion Congress has allocated for fencing and wall construction on our southern border has the force of law, and Joe Biden is breaking that law by halting construction. Victor will ensure that our borders are secured and that the wall is constructed because he knows firsthand that border security is national security. Defunding critical race theory. As a father of two living in South Lake, Texas, Victor is already in the fight to keep critical race theory and other radical leftist indoctrination out of our schools. Victor understands that our children should be focusing on learning English, math, science, and history, not subjected to politicized agendas. As land Commissioner Victor will ensure that the school land board never directs funds to support radical programs like critical race theory. Uh, make America energy independent. Texans know that oil and gas means jobs and growth. After Joe Biden sidelined oil and gas production in Texas, gas prices began to hit historic highs. Victor Avila will fight back against the Biden administration's misguided policies restricting oil and gas production in Texas. And I'm guessing he would have to work hand in hand with the Texas Railroad Commission as well in that. So anyhow, uh, protecting the Alamo. The Alamo is an essential part of Texas history. Um, and and uh, as a born and raised te Texan, Victor values our history and will fight to preserve it. Victor will fight any attempt to remove our 
remove or move our monuments and uh, won't allow revisionist progressives to tarnish any representation of Texas history. Defending our constitutional carry, uh, when Victor became an ICE agent, he swore an oath to defend and uphold the Constitution. That includes the Second Amendment. Victor takes his oath and the right to bear arms seriously, and he exercises that right every day. Constitutional carry is now the law uh, of the land in Texas, and Victor will always fight to preserve it, honoring our veterans. While serving as an ICE agent, Victor was shot multiple times, and his partner was killed in a cartel ambush in Mexico. Victor understands firsthand what it means to sacrifice and put your life on the line for your country. As land commissioner, Victor will work to ensure our veterans are receiving the care and support they need, and that our veterans' programs will are well-funded and working efficiently. Secure our elections. Victor knows that just as without a border, we have no country. If our elections are not secure, we do not have a democracy or a constitutional republic, for that matter. Every citizen has the right to feel confident that their vote counts. Victor knows that it is essential to our constitutional republic. Thank you. That election integrity is prioritized and defended. Hurricane and recovery. Um, so Victor will utilize his extensive crisis management experience and work hand in hand with local, state and federal authorities to develop hurricane protection and flood mitigation projects while working to protect and restore Texas's coastlines. Uh, Victor Avila is a retired supervisory special agent with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Homeland Security Investigations under the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, seeking the Republican nomination to serve as Texas Land Commissioner. ICE enforces federal law enforcement. Uh, federal law, laws governing border control, customs, trade, and immigration to promote homeland security and public safety. Mr. Avila has been recognized by ICE and HSI for his exemplary service and professional accomplishments while serving as special agent at El Paso Field Office and as an assistant attache assigned to the U.S. Cons consulate in Ciudad Juarez and U.S. embassies located in Spain, Portugal, and Mexico City. Mr. Avila served as an accredited diplomat and liaison to the aforementioned governments, conducting international complex criminal investigations in a wide range of violations such as narc narcotics trafficking, arms trafficking, human trafficking, smuggling, financial violations, commercial fraud, and counterterrorism. While on official assignment in Mexico, Special Agent Avila suffered multiple gunshots, uh, gunshot wounds and survived a violent ambush by the Mexican Los Zetas drug cartel, where Special Agent Jaime Zapata tragically lost his life. Um, let's see. Mr. Avila has been recognized for excellence in law enforcement by the ICE Hispanic Agents Association, the Director's Award for Operation in Plain Sight in Mexico, Homeland Security Investigations Excellence in Public Service Award, the Valor Award by the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, Medal of Valor for Outstanding Bravery by the National Latino Peace Officers Association, the Medal of Valor by the Hispanic American Command Officers Association, and the NYPD Heroism Award by the Global Alliance of Hispanic Law Law enforcement professionals. Man, he's got quite a list here, guys. Mr. Avila began his very successful law enforcement career as a United States probation officer for the U.S. courts and as a protect district parole officer for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in criminal justice from the University of Texas at El Paso while focusing on the identity among Hispanic Americans along the border. Today, he serves to honor the memory and the dedicated service of S.A. Uh, Jamie Zapata. Mr. Avila is an advocate for the border security, immigration reform, human trafficking awareness, and the protection of our sovereignty. Okay, 
Woo! What a rap sheet this man has. Yep, that's definitely battle-tested, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so Texas Gal clarifies that Victor Abila is not an ego. He is very humble. Ah, that's even better. That's like a cherry on top right there. Okay, so I'm, you know, this guy, I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to voting for this man here. Um, former ICE Special Agent Victor Avila announces uh, for Texas Land Commissioner. So I think this is just another recap here uh, from Texas Scorecard. Um, yeah, I think we're good on that. We, we, we read, you know, we, he, we did pretty good, like, sharing who he is. Uh, let's check this one out. This is also an article about Victor Avila and Avila. I should say Avila. I'm saying it wrong. Avila. Like, what kind of Hispanic am I, right? Uh, this comes from Fox News, actually. Uh, it says here, Hispanic Texas Land Commissioner candidate vows to defund schools teaching CRT. So again, this is another area that land commissioner actually is over, not just protecting the Alamo, okay? <laughs> so it's just interesting to me that that's the way they frame it. So Victor Avila, a former ICE special agent, would use his office to stop the spread of this corrosive ideology. Victor Avila, a first-generation Mexican-American immigrant, former ICE agent and candidate for Texas Land Commissioner, announced that, if elected, he will withhold funding from any educational institution in Texas that teaches CRT. CRT is corrosive, Avila said in a statement first provided to Fox News. As a first-generation Mexican-American immigrant, I value the importance of educating our children on our nation's history and the history of other countries. Yet CRT fails to promote inclusivity and unity. Instead, this theory encourages division among our children. Allocating any funding into this program enables the radical left to promote their political agenda in our schools, Avila added. As Texas Land Commissioner, I will continue to fight for every family and protect our children by stopping all funding towards CRT. The position of Texas Land Commissioner involves, among many other things, the oversight of billions of dollars in school funding. Let's see, it says here, uh, anti-CRT bills aim to outlaw discrimination, not free speech, advocates say. Avila, a retired uh, special agent with Immigration and Customs Enforcement Homeland Security Investigations Unit, lamented that when he joined a school board diversity council, members assumed he was liberal due to his ethnicity. Despite being very conservative, when I joined the Carroll ISD Diversity Council, they assumed I was a liberal because I'm Hispanic, Avila told uh, Fox News. What I saw shocked me. The left's hateful ideologies were being taught to our children. I raised my voice, sounded the alarm, and joined fellow parents in fighting back. Now I'm running for Texas Land Commissioner, an office that chairs the, the school land board, which oversees over $10 billion in education funding, Avila added. As Texas Land Commissioner, the school land board will no longer rubber stamp funding if a school is teaching critical race theory or any of its corrosive ideas. Funding will not move past the board and will be withheld until we can trust taxpayer dollars will be used appropriately. Uh, 
Parents and grassroots activists have raised the alarm about CRT, a framework that involves deconstructing aspects of society to discover systemic racism beneath the surface in public schools. School officials often deny that CRT has an impact in K-12 education, claiming that the term refers to a law school class, even though ideas rooted in CRT have emerged in various K-12 educational settings. CRT proponents claim that any opposition to CRT amounts to silencing teachers and preventing the teaching of its history. As an ICE special agent, Avila occasionally served as an accredited diplomat and liaison to Spain and Portugal and Mexico, conducting criminal investigations into narcotics trafficking, arms trafficking, human trafficking, smuggling, financial violations, commercial fraud, and counterterrorism. Avila su suffered multiple gunshot wounds and survived a violent ambush from the Mexican Los Zetas drug cartel while on special assignment south of the border. His partner, Special Agent Jaime Zapata, died and Avila has dedicated himself to the memory of his fallen partner. All right, guys. So there is another write-up on Victor Avila, which I am now pronouncing correctly. Right now, if you're just joining in, we're talking about the uh, Texas Land Commissioner Contest. So we're going through those candidates. John Joe says, Avila sounds like the man for Texas. I'm probably going to vote for, for Victor Avila, honestly. Uh, I probably am going to vote for him. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Okay, who next? Oh, here's another one. This is an interview with Victor Avila. We'll we'll go ahead and go uh, skip on this one because I mean, I'll have it in our resources page for anyone who wants to read it once my website's open. <laughs> but we'll go ahead and forego that one in the interest of time because we still got a lot of ground to cover, guys. All right, next up is none other than Rufus Lopez, who has no photo. <laughs> We don't know nothing about this man, okay, guys? But Rufus Lopez is running on the Republican GOP ticket for Texas Land Commissioner. Let me see if I could find anything on him. Rufus, Rufus, where are you? Rufus, Rufus, we can't see you. Okay, what is this? Why are you not working for me right now? Okay. Okay, here we go. All right, here's what we got on Rufus Lopez. This is from Ballotpedia. Rufus Lopez is running for election for Texas land commissioner. Lopez is on the ballot in the Republican primary for March 1. That's all we got on him, guys. He has a personal LinkedIn. I'm not even going to waste my time. Rufus, I don't think you're going to get any votes. I think you're just there to split the vote. Okay. All right. So that was easy enough, guys. Goodbye, Rufus. Oh, wait. We have a questionnaire with Rufus Lopez. To be fair, let's go ahead and see what this questionnaire says. Now... I can give you guys a summary of it. This man ha talks a lot about just oil. Oil and energy is pretty much all he talks about. <clears throat> Please describe the qualifications and experience that make you the best candidate for this, uh, this contest. Uh, he is an accomplished lawyer uh, with 57 years in practice of law. Uh, he is a residential real estate and farm and ranch real estate attorney uh, negotiating and writing oil and gas leases for all of these years. Uh, he's also been a title examiner and understands contracts and the requisites for their enforcement. Uh, he organized a bank, served as its chairman and legal counsel, overseeing the investment strategies and loan documents for customers. 
Uh, he serves as a judge for the Texas Education Agency, hearing the disputes over the un- over the employment appeals. He's also taught American jurisprudence in Europe, in Ukraine, the Czech Republic, and in Russia, and authored a book entitled Lectures in Litigation. Uh, additionally, he has been an active litigator as an insurance defense attorney for many of the insurance companies, and he's licensed to practice before the Texas Supreme Court since 1965, guys. He lives in San Antonio, but his home is in every courthouse in Texas. Rufus, I ain't never heard of you, buddy. Okay, uh, let's see. Please explain what you believe are the most significant issues in this race. One, the most significant issues in this race is promoting the development of oil and gas in our public lands. Okay, so he's, that's, okay, two, protect our permanent school fund and not allow the allocations of the funds to our universities and colleges and public schools to be misapplied. We are only allowed to use the interest accumulated from these investments, so the principal remains intact. Okay, uh, three, increase the benefits to the veterans by reducing the loan interest being charged. At present, the interest in the land, home, and improvement loans are higher than conventional rate, so must reach out to the veterans to assist them. We only have nine nursing homes in Texas to care for the veterans. We need to increase that number to at least 15. Veterans are living longer, and we need to accommodate them. We have only six cemeteries in the state, and we need to provide more spaces throughout. We need to work more closely with Texas Veterans Commission to help reach out to homeless veterans. So, okay, so this guy obviously has a heart for veterans, so that's a good thing. Uh, Let's see. uh, We need to prepare for natural disasters. Okay, what else do you got on here? Two, why am I running? Uh, I think you already answered all the questions. To make a difference. Okay, good. And then three, he is from the baby boomer generation, and he's an heir to the greatest generation. Okay which means he can deliver. Do you know what the baby boomers did to this country? Do you know why we are where we are right now? No, I'm not getting down on the baby boomers, but you know, George Bush, George H.W. Bush. And (laughs) anyways, I'm just playing with you guys. Uh, What will be your top three priorities as commissioner? Encourage and promote oil and gas development. See, he does, this is a lot of what he says. And yet that's not their only job. Increase the services to the veterans and encourage uh, them to join the land purchase, home purchase and improvements. And then three, for some reason, the department has quit selling land applicants. The latest Go Ogle website says there are no lands for sale at the present. The budget allows for $55 million for the Alamo. I don't believe it is enough. In addition, we still have other structures such as San Jacinto, San Jacinto, Battleship Texas Goliad. We have acquired, uh, we have 268,000 square miles in Texas with 29 million folks. We can do this. Okay. So anyways, I'm not going to read the rest of these guys. There's only two more questions, but what? He talks about Charlie Victor and uh, about the EPA. I don't think we need to fight the federal government at every turn. We are the ninth largest economy in the world. We have worked through these regulations in the past. So drilling things. Okay, so there's there's Rufus Lopez for you, ladies and gentlemen. There's Rufus Lopez. All right, next one, Weston Martinez. Now, this is another San Antonio boy right here, guys. Uh, he actually, um, I would put him in number four, okay? Now, I, I, you know, I don't like the look of him. 
<laughs> but uh, that has nothing to do with anything, I guess. Uh, but Weston Martinez, as far back as I could, as I was looking into this man, has has been a very strong conservative candidate. Not a flip flopper, nothing like that. Uh, like I said, he is a, he is a San Antonio boy. Okay, so him and Rufus are both San Antonio boys. Uh, he's he's run for he's run for political office very unsuccessfully. For about his entire political career is what I gathered by looking at this man. Um, so there's a photo of him, Weston Martinez. Now let's see here. So I, I would put him in fourth place, okay? If I had to pick four people, he'd be in fourth place, all right? But, uh, you know, we're not voting for four people, you know? So uh, conservative leader Weston Martinez announces campaign for Texas land commissioner. Again, guys, welcome to Lone Star News. This is your home for Texas news and current events. And we are currently going through the primary ballot. Why at this late hour? Because uh, I vote on election day, guys. So uh, I'm not going to spill the beans until election day is outside of early voting. Okay. All right. So let's just see what this article has to say here. Uh, Texas, uh, former Texas real estate commissioner and Alamo defender kicks off campaign by honoring Americans fallen on Memorial Day. Uh, today, conservative leader, grassroots activist, businessman, Alamo defender and former Texas real estate commissioner Weston Martinez announced his candidacy to become Texas next land commissioner. Martinez has uh, filed all the required documents with the Texas Ethics Commission so that he can begin campaigning across the Lone Star State, make political expenditures, and accept campaign contributions. His name will appear on the 2022 Republican primary ballot. He says, I am announcing my campaign this Memorial Day as I travel across our state, visiting those hallowed sites which honor the service and sacrifice of those brave Americans who gave the last full measure of devotion in defense of our nation, our freedoms, and the values we hold dear and which define our American identity and cherished way of life. As land commissioner, Martinez will also serve as the chairman of the Texas Veterans Land Board, which oversees a host of programs supporting Texas veterans, active duty military members, as well as the family members of deceased veterans and active duty military members who are killed or die while in action. There is no elected office in Texas government more closely engaged in supporting our veterans and their families or in honoring those heroes who have given so much to our state and nation than the commissioner of the general land office. See, I really like this, guys, because as we're going through all of this, we're learning about all these offices and exactly what they oversee and, you know, what their functions are so that we'll be even better equipped in our next election cycle to make decisions and we'll know which ones to focus on. Like, who would have known that the Texas Railroad Commission is such an important office? Like, and we're doing the land commission right now, guys. I'm just kind of like waxing politically about these offices. But uh, anyways, back to this. Um, okay, so uh, let's see what else it says here. Okay, so we talk about the Alamo here. Again, because, again, the General Land Office uh, oversees, uh, you know, the historic and the lands and the monuments of Texas, the historic value and the historic accuracy, all that good stuff. Um, let's see here. I think we're good on this one. So there's a little bit more on uh, Weston Martinez. He'd be my number four pick. Uh, exclusive Land Commission, a Texas Land Commissioner candidate gives firsthand account of border crisis. So here's one. 
That is good. This is from the Katie Christian Magazine. All right. I think he actually works with this uh, this um, uh, media venue. This is actually written by Weston Martinez. He says, I was firsthand witness uh, to the border crisis. Know that the media is only portraying the narrative they want you to see. Okay. The war going on at our Texas border is intended to inflict pain on Texas and the United States. The refugees who gathered under the bridge in Del Rio, Texas, numbered almost 30,000. Of those, only 2,000 were sent back uh, to Haiti. (laughs) Wow. Uh, The other 28,000 are being dispersed by an illegal transfer within commercial coach buses and even the use of airplanes from our Coast Guard. I stood roughly three feet away from the Reverend Al Sharpton as he conducted his press conference, waiting to have my dueling press conference. His advanced team was shocked to know that's why I was there. Yes, Reverend Al Sharpton was shouted down by those of us who were there. As he sulked away, I began my press conference about the legality of taking commercial buses uh, off the roads of Texas highways. It is a violation of DPS regulations to haul any human being with viral infections similar to Ebola and other diseases. So here are all the passports. And look, Republic of Chile, Chile. I guess these are all from Chile. Oh, but they're the, they're they're issued by Texas. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Each one of these complaints or occurrences results in a near $90,000 fine for the operator of the bus with a full media pit and press release distributed. We began to advise them about the Chilean deserters who discarded their identification cards. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. So basically what happened, guys, is like a bunch of people who were here from Chile, they uh, they overtook their bus. <laughs> Because they they were put on a bus and they didn't know where they're so they they like they like hijacked their bus and then they like they like jumped out of the bus and they got away. That's what those that's what those cards were that we were looking at. Like these are all the Chilean deserters. Like they dumped their cards, they dumped their passports, and they just flew the coup. Like isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Okay. Uh, so it says here with the full media press, uh, we began to advise them about the Chilean deserters who discarded their identification cards so they would have the ability to move into the United States and state they are originally from Haiti. Do you see the media? It's not counting how many times these people are walking back and forth across the river to get groceries, diapers and formula or the fact that the area they're squatting on is actually a county park. No one is being treated any less than hospitable. The next morning, we woke up to national news that all the Haitians had been moved. We found out that Biden's administration went back across the river and the Coast Guard had moved refugees into facilities in other Texas towns. Here's more photos of the Chilean deserters. This is the equivalent of a coup d'etat. Enclosed in this article are Chilean IDs, which I received from the Mexico side of the border, or they were discarded among many personal belongings, including ultrasounds. Do you see the lands of today or the Haitians 10 years ago that were mostly displaced by a major earthquake in their pursuit to enter America? They know that if they state they that they arrived from Haiti, they'll be received in one manner. And if they can show that they are pregnant, they'll be fast tracked even more. We can no longer stand by elected officials at any level who do not put people over politics. Dang, guys. So, well, thanks for writing that article, Weston. You're still my number four pick. <clears throat> okay. Moving right along. Okay, here's some question and answers. In the interest of time, I think we're going to have to go ahead and skip over this one. Uh, 
describe your qualifications as a native son of the Alamo. I understand better than most why the liberals in San Antonio in conjunction with George Soros. Oh, he dropped that name. George Soros. Hey, Weston. What's up, buddy? Okay. <laughs> now you have my attention. Okay. <laughs> All right. It says here, uh, we'll do this real quick, guys. Uh, to stamp out, okay, uh, George Soros wants to stamp out the Alamo and the spirit of freedom and independence it represents to people around the world. Even though I have been involved politically for decades and have a vast professional background, I was never aware at just how tailor made my resume and background to fulfill the duties of land commissioner were. I will be prepared to step in on my first day in office and to serve the citizens of Texas and to be their last line of defense, period, in securing their freedoms. Okay, so uh, he says, I am the number one ranked conservative in this race as identified by iVoter Guide. Okay, well, yeah, well, you didn't get President Trump's uh, endorsement and uh, you didn't go on the Steve Bannon show either. Uh, let's see here. Explain uh, what you believe are the most significant issues in the race. Tell the United Nations to get out of the Alamo. That's a good answer, buddy. Okay, <laughs> that's a good answer. Why aren't you like number two or number three on this list? Uh, return prayer to the Alamo, allowing the affiliated groups a once-year annual prayer service in the chapel. That's a good thing, too. I am the strongest proponent of building the wall and will take immediate action to facilitate the use of state-owned land for the purpose. Uh, four, to end the practice of allowing burial services on the Alo uh, Alamo grounds of cremated loved ones whose ashes might inadvertently get commingled with that of our defenders. Interesting. Uh, request formal review of an independent audit of all signed contracts related to the so-called Reimagine the Alamo program. Uh, initiate an audit of the GLO land sales for the last 10 years to determine if fraud by word or deed was committed against the citizens of Texas. Oh, so George P. Bush will come under, uh, come under question under this one here. Maybe whoever gets, uh, whoever gets the position, we should ask them to do that anyways, including the identification of land sold or now owned by foreign countries, including China, George P. Bush. Oh, man. Okay, so this is an important one here. Come on, Weston Martinez. Initiate a forensic audit on the Texas Veterans Nursing Home under the GL GLO. Oh, man. You know what? Whoever wins, we should get them to do this. Notify the Biden administration that the state of Texas will no longer allow GLO-owned land to be subjected to restrictions caused by the Paris Climate Accord or the Kyoto Agreement. This is part of my Secure the Grid initiative. Like, all right, Weston, you're giving us good ideas for whoever wins, because unfortunately, I don't think he is. Uh, initiate Operation Iron River, which will take formal action to require the Rio Grande be filled up to its proper levels with the goal of making them navigable vessel ports similar to the Panama Canal. I've never even heard of this. This is interesting. This will exponentially impact the economy in the Rio Grande region, thereby making it safer for all who live on the border. Could you imagine that? What would that do? Would they like have to dig dig into the Rio Grande? Like, that's interesting. I want to look into this. Initiate review of veterans land board rates, procedures, veteran cemeteries, and other veterans programs operated and overseen by the GLO to ensure that they are effectively serving the veterans. I don't know. Getting back to this Iron River, guys, that seems like a visionary type of, like, move like a visionary could you imagine recreating the rio grande to where it's like a navigable navigable vessel port similar to the panama canal 
that would be amazing, actually, but that would take a lot of construction because there are some parts of the Rio Grande that are not that deep. They're pretty shallow in some areas. How do you think they're crossing the border through the Rio Grande? Because <laughs> they can they can walk across, guys. Anyways, okay. All right, Weston, those are some great ideas, actually. I'm going to save this document here because I think those those are some those are some ideas to hold whomever gets this office to hold them like you know to bring to their attention you know like Weston Martinez okay uh land commissioner just so I can remember what I'm doing here we'll put great ideas <laughs> well Weston you know and the thing about it is as I was reviewing his file, ladies and gentlemen, he's lost so many competitions. Like, what's up with that? You know, like, as long as he's been serving, he seems to have really great ideas. But I don't know. You know, I don't know. You know what, Freddie Durf? Go hang out at any of those shows that you like and stop bringing your negative energy over here. Bye. Oh, wait. Whoops. <laughs> we don't want to do that. We want to ban you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Blocked. All right. There you go. Okay, Freddie Durf, he, you know, he goes to certain shows on this platform and he hangs out and uh, people love him over there. So he can stay over there. You know, he can stay over there. You know, I'm not going to name the shows I see you hanging out on where the hosts seem to love you. But you come over here and you just you're negative. You know, like we don't need negativity in this uh, in this community. So thank you. All right. Okay. Let's keep on moving on. And, and, and I also do think Freddie Dirt probably has his own show as well. And that's why he goes around spreading hatred because the man's just jealous. Okay. Or whatever she is, he is. I don't know what they are. Whatever they choose to be. They, they hide behind an avatar and they talk crap. And then, you know, that's just a coward. Okay. All right. Jo uh, this is Don W. Minton. Okay. Don W. Minton. Wait, Minton, are you on this list? Mm, let's see here. Why don't I have you on my list here, Minton? Did I skip your name? Do we actually have nine people? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We actually have eight people running. Okay. Eight people running. Okay, so Minton. Let's get through Minton. Hey, uh, Lynn... RC7. Yeah, well, you know, tell that to the hosts that let him on their show and let him, you know, I just don't understand. Like, okay. All right. Here's what we got on Don Minton. <laughs> Sean Joe Durf is a mensch. I'm just like, you know what? You know what? Like those same hosts that let him in his chat room, they chastise other people, but they don't chastise Freddie Durf. So I don't get it. Anyways, okay. All right, let's go ahead and go through John Minton. We're, uh, we're, I think we're doing okay on time. Uh, it says here, uh, don't, I, say, I say John Minton because I used to know a man named John Minton. Don Minton is running for uh, election for Texas Land Commissioner. A little bit about him. Don Minton was born in Beaumont, Texas. Minton served in the U.S. Army from 1990 to 2001. He earned a bachelor's degree from the United States Military Academy at West Point. Pardon me. Um, and a uh, JD from the University of Texas Law School, School of Law in 1996. And a graduate degree from the Uni University of Texas at El Paso in 2016. 
Minton's career experience includes working as an investor, a chief legal officer, and acting chief financial officer for a mineral extraction company. Okay, so I don't know. I kind of steer clear of uh, steer clear of the. Uh, that's all I had on Minton, guys. Okay, <laughs> so sorry about it. <clears throat> that's all I had on Minton. Next candidate up is Dr. John Spears, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I don't know why Durf should be rewarded with a channel. So that every, uh, because what? So we can go retaliate? Why? You know, I'm not going to go over there and be like, your show sucks. I mean, it's just stupid. You know, he's just, he's just there to sidetrack and he's just there to uh, distract. And uh, anyone who's for that, Stay off my channel, okay? All right, here's what we got on John Spears. Dr. John Spears, the man with the cowboy hat. Okay. All right. Dr. John Spears is a surgeon, a veteran, and an attorney. He is the principal attorney at the health law firm Spears Group and serves on the board of directors of Exceed Biopharma. Exceed is a venture group focused on developing and building critical biotechnology and jobs in Texas to ensure the stable, reliable supply of essential medications on American soil. Dr. Spears attended Duke University on scholastic and football scholarships. He graduated with honors from Duke and attended medical school at the University of Tennessee Center for Health Sciences in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, let's see here. Uh, skip over some of this stuff. Spears graduated from the University of Houston Law and established the Spears Group focused on many Texas-related issues, including biotechnology business and pushing back against federal overreach. I mean, that's good. Uh, he's been named a super lawyer. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. So this is this is John Spears here. He's a lifelong member of the NRA, so that's pretty good too. Um... Of course, I mean, he's not my he's not even on my list of picks, to be honest with you guys. Uh, qualifications. He says he is a servant leader. He's not a career politician. So that's good. Uh, he's not part of the Austin elites. That's also good. He's not a behold. He's not beholden to a man or special interest groups or a lobby as a surgeon, a veteran. And after an injury to his hand that ended his surgical career, he was an attorney. Uh, he has proven leadership skills. Um, and that's all we got on him. I, oh wait, okay, no, here's more. I guess he didn't answer this question. Oh, his answer was too long. Uh, question is, uh, what do you believe are the most significant issues in this race? As a surgeon, veteran, and after an injury to his hand. Okay, so for the Texas of the land. So the GLO's management of the Alamo has been needlessly controversial and disappointing. Texas history does not need to be reimagined. Okay. Uh, the management of school land board portion of the PSF has been a disaster so much so that the recent legislative session has made it, has had to mandate that the two offices communicate and meet. Um, I'm not too uh, sure about that issue right there. The treatment of our veterans has been pa painful to observe. Texas veterans and those working to honor our veterans will have an ally at the GLO under my leadership. Almost 1.5 million veterans call Texas home. Our veterans care homes will benefit from a leader who is experienced surgeon accustomed to working with the Department of Veterans Affairs. At the Veterans Board, we will raise the visibility of the VLB and work closely with Texas uh, Veterans Commission to improve our service to those who have served our nation. 
Um, veteran cemetery needs new leadership. Expand the cemeteries and services to Texas veterans and families. Um, let's see, the office has failed to aggressively respond to the crisis at our southern border, a matter of state and national security. Waiting for the correct p- political wins rather than doing what we need to do to protect Texas citizens. Um, let's see here. Talks about disaster being sluggish to reform that. Um, future disaster, future disaster, GLO. Okay. Top three priorities, securing the southern border, revamping and streamlining disaster recovery, transforming the relationship between the land, office, and people uh, to be more adept to helping Texans recover, and restoring all Texas trust in the GLO by repairing relationships with the GLO with other stakeholders, including veterans, landowners, and the school board slash PSF. Probably Public School Foundation is what that means. Okay, cool. All right, well, that's what we're going to get into that with there, guys. For Dr. John Spears. Okay. Okay, so here's this uh, same thing that I read for Don Buckingham, this I side with uh, website. So, same questions he gets, she gets. We'll skip over the gay questions. Uh, what is your stance on abortion? Pro-life. Plain and simple, guys. You know, plain and simple. Um, let's see here. He did say yes to enforcing stay-at-home order to come back, Charlie Victor. Don't agree with it, but well, there you are. Plain and simple. Should there be more restrictions on the current process of purchasing guns? No. Okay. <laughs> Plain and simple, okay? None of this, yes, but, you know, mental health and blah, 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 blah. Do you support the impeachment of President Trump? No. Should a government require employees of large businesses to be vaccinated? No. He does agree with um, environmental regulations to combat private uh, climate change. He says that there should be more incentives for alternative energy production, more broken windmills, more ga- uh, more um, toxic releasing gas um, uh, solar panels. Right, gotcha. Okay, um, let's see. Should the government continue to fund Planned Parenthood? Yes, as long as funding is not used for abortions. Thank you. Okay. And the list goes on. So, you know, this guy could be a good contender. You know, I guess John Spears could be. I guess he would be number five on my list. But, you know, right now, Victor Avila seems like my man. Okay, so uh, let's. this is the last, last, uh, last land commissioner candidate. This is Dr. Tim Wesley. Actually, he made my list. Okay, so <laughs> let's see what we got about Tim Wesley, guys. Dr. Tim Wesley. Come on. There we go. All right, let's see what this biography has to say about Mr. Wesley. We'll expand that for you guys. And bam. Biography. Tim Wesley was born in Shreveport, Louisiana. Wesley served in the U.S. Army from 1991 to 1999 and the Texas National Guard for one year. He earned a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in Christian ministry from Wayland Baptist University and a PhD in educational leadership from Trident International University. 
Wesley's career experience includes working as a public school teacher, a pastor, a mail carrier, a professor, and an education services specialist. He has served as the historian for the Republican Party of Texas and as a board member with the San Antonio Council on Alcohol and Drug Awareness. So this guy's a San Antonio boy also. I didn't realize we had so many San Antonio men running in this race, but uh, let's see here. <laughs> We're going to listen to a speech from Mr. Wesley. It's about five minutes long, so it's not too long. Let's let's see how he pumps up the crowd. <laughs> oh, God, you guys are going to think I'm so shallow. Uh, let me make sure we have good sound on this. And I think we might have another article or two on him. And then that will wrap up the Texas Land Commissioner. You guys, I told you it was a gauntlet, y'all. Like, it's a lot of people. And uh, the next thing we'll be talking about is the Texas Land Commit. I mean, the Texas Railroad Commissioner. And guys, it is so dramatic. This The Texas Land Commissioner is the most drama-filled race that we've had, that I've ever heard of. Okay, well, anyways, here we go. This is Dr. Tim Wesley. And no, it's not just because he has a red blazer also. All right, but you know what? So does Lieutenant Colonel Retired Alan West. He's got a red blazer too. Maybe there's something to it. I don't know. Critical race theory. This is an instrument been used to divide. Simply said, it's been used to divide. I'm the worst nightmare for those on the left that think critical race theory is the route to go. Yes, the worst nightmare. I was told early on as a kid growing up that there's no way you're going to do anything beyond high school. I was able to finish an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a PhD. Why? Because I did not buy into the mindset and the opinion of critical race theory that's been sold as though it's fact, but at best is simply a philosophical opinion of some twisted-minded people. Yeah, that's it. Critical race theory, as we think about it, do we believe in history? Absolutely, we believe history should be taught. I'm one that can speak as one with experience. As the historian for the Republican Party of Texas, I know the value of history. That's right. In addition to that, as my friend Brandon said, when we went to the Alamo, I remember a day that he called and he said, Dr. Wesley, are you available today? I said, yes, what's going on? He said, I need you down to the Alamo. I said, what's taking place? He said, we're going to be defending the Alamo because the Cenotaph has been desecrated and we're believing that some Black Lives Matter people will be coming around here from Travis Park. Can you show up? I said, absolutely, I can show up. That's right. The reason I showed up was because I understood that if I can talk about history to whoever may show up, I can at least get them to listen for a moment. And I recall having TITFF, this is Texas Freedom Force, I recall having them behind me locked and cocked, and I recall BLM people showing up in groves, and I recall standing there talking with both sides and telling them, look, what is it that you want? Because it's all about history. What is it that you want? We want to make sure we get police reform. I said in my hand, I hold a petition. On this petition, I'm fighting for police reform. And all the signatures on here are the people that you call your enemies standing behind me, locked and cocked. 
At that moment, I told them, if you want to get rid of all the problems that you say exist, then join these people that have signed this petition and signed this petition today. At that moment, we destroyed the myth, and they started signing the petitions, and one person in the group at BLM said, hey, will you pray for us? That's right. Will you pray for us? Will you pray for all of us? When I point this mic to you, I want you to say, United we stand. United we stand. Oh, we can do better than that. One more time. United we stand. When I began praying for BLM and began praying with This Is Texas Freedom Force, all of a sudden you can see the environment begin to shift. Why? Because the left wants us divided, but God wants us united. Yes, yes. Why do we speak about this? Because we have to understand that history is being made right now. We have to be bold enough to speak on it. We have to be bold enough to talk about it. We have to be bold enough that when people are challenged, when children are challenged, and they're telling you, Mom or Dad, this is what they're teaching me in school. They're teaching me to hate myself. I need you all to be able to stand with those parents that's going into those school boards and saying that we're going to stand together and fight this thing that CRT trying to divide the great state of Texas and trying to divide this nation. What are we going to do? Oh, come on. What are we going to do? We don't hate history. We can teach history without teaching hate. I'll say that again. We can teach history without teaching hate. Yes, I want to close by telling you all a story of the Buffalo Soldiers. The Buffalo Soldiers were a group of black men. Many of them were slaves at the time that the Emancipation Proclamation came. Emancipation Proclamation came down. They were slaves. But I'll tell you what happened. They were also heroes. These men decided that we want to be a part of the fight. We want to be a part of the battle. When they got an opportunity to join the ranks of the army, they could not serve alone there with their white counterparts. So you know what they did? We're talking about history. These Buffalo soldiers said, we're going to be a part of history. We're going to fight with everything in us because we believe in this country. We believe in the great state of Texas. We believe in who we are. We believe in opportunity. They took the opportunity. They fought with everything they had in them. And when it was all said and done, those units from the Buffalo Soldiers ended up with more medals of honor, Congressional Medal of Honor, than any other groups. They became history. I don't hate history. I just don't like people that teach you to hate folks because of their history. I want to tell you, and I want to challenge you at the same time, when you see a problem, do something about it. When you see a problem, say something about it. When you see an issue, act on those issues. And ultimately what the left hates is when we get together, and I want to tell y'all, how do we destroy the critical race theory and the way that it's being taught? One more time. One more time. I'm Dr. Tim Wesley. You can find me at Texans, the number four, Tim.com. God bless Texas and God bless America. So that was pretty exciting, huh? <laughs> that was pretty. This is actually in San Antonio. 
that city, uh, that's the downtown city council or count. Um, it's downtown. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, another, another red blazer wearing San Antonio boy right there, guys. Oh goodness. <laughs> okay. Let me, is that all I got on you boy? Is that all I have on him? Did I not have any other articles? <clears throat> Well, I don't know. Maybe his video just made me excited. But uh, I actually wanted to show you guys this one so you guys could see. Y'all, I mean, a lot of people hear about the Alamo, right? And I don't know what they think about it in their heads. But uh, it is one of the most touristy areas, okay? It, it, it really, there's nothing historical about its surrounding. It's surrounded by a mall and by shopping and everything. It looks totally displaced. But I want to show you guys real quick before we move on from this topic, um, the land, the like the cenotaph, um, which is right in front of the Alamo, which they're they're trying to reimagine this whole place. From what I understand, uh, two of the buildings um, pretty much adjacent to the Al they're not connected physically, but adjacent to the Alamo, uh, the, the land. Uh, it's historical buildings like the Manger and another one like, a, from what I understand, they've already sold those buildings or they've leased them to make like a new like Alamo information center. I don't know what that's going to be like, but they already took out, they already took out, uh, they already took out the, uh, the basement there. You know, why do you think Pee Wee Herman couldn't find his bike? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I just want to show you guys this real quick so you can get a view of what the Alamo area is like, like today. And also uh, Dr. Tim Wesley speaking on this too. And as a side note, I used to work right here. <laughs> I used to work right here at Ripley's, believe it or not. If you've ever been there, this little box right here. Yeah, a little a little man pops out of this box and he like... He heckles the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> he heckles the pedestrians. <laughs> I used to do that for a long time, uh, you know, maybe a year or two. I worked right here across from the Alamo back in the day, back when Mr. C was like, you know, a, a strapping young lad. Okay. All right. So here we go, guys. Let's go ahead and take a look. Um, well, that's just a Mr. C factoid. All right. So... <laughs> Well, this is Dr. Tim Wesley, Republican candidate for Texas Land Commissioner. I'm here in front of the Alamo. And one of the reasons I came down is because we have a few businesses that are being forced to close. Small businesses that employ between 150 to up to 230 people at its peak. And the politicians that's behind the closing of these small businesses, many of them will claim that they're for small businesses. These are staples in San Antonio, staples on the Riverwalk, staples on the Alamo footprint. It's sad to imagine that as I walked up and down this footprint and I looked at places like the Tomb Raider, looked at places like Ripley's Haunted Adventure and Guinness World Records Museum, I thought about not just those businesses that will be closing, but other small businesses that will be affected because these have been staples in the community for so long. People walk up and down that sidewalk and they find themselves going into an entrance to the Riverwalk. They find themselves going to other businesses. All these businesses are going to be affected. Many of us have brought family and friends down to visit these places, and they've been great attractions for many, many years, bringing people to the Alamo footprint so that they can see the cenotaph and so that they can experience the Alamo and learn. So that's the cenotaph right there, y'all. Now they want like, OK, George Prescott Bush, named after a Nazi and a pedophile, former land commissioner now running for AG, right? 
who made who made koozies with him and President Trump on it and then got slapped in the face when uh, uh, President Trump endorsed Paxton wants this. He wanted to move this. OK, he wanted to take it out. And this thing is huge. Look at this thing is big. Like it's huge. It's been there forever. For as long as I know I've been around, it's been forever. And then, you know, the Alamo is just right over here, just past it across the street. This is a view from my old box when I used to work at Ripley's. <laughs> Anyways, here. About the great history of both, how nearly 200 defenders decided that San Antonio is worth fighting for and how they stood strong, regardless of what instructions they were given because they believed the fight was worth it. And ultimately they gave their lives. Almost 200 defendants decided that we're gonna battle, not just for now, but we're gonna battle for the future generations. Those stories that have been told about the Alamo and about the Cenotaph, which represents the spirit of sacrifice. There's a concerted effort to destroy those stories, destroy that history, destroy the monuments that represent that history and so much more. So yes, it starts with the closing of a few businesses and yes, the Alamo Museum that will replace those businesses, it's important, absolutely, it's history. I'm the historian for the Republican Party of Texas, so I understand that. However, at what cost? These businesses, there was a promise that there was going to be an entertainment zone so that these places could possibly relocate to, but that never happened. So we have empty promises, and we have people that are being hurt on the other end, jobs that are lost that will never be replaced. It's gonna take people like me to go to Austin and be able to say, no, we're not going to reimagine the Alamo. We're not going to mess with the footprint of the Alamo. We're not going to rewrite history. We're not going to destroy monuments and history along with it. We're going to protect it. This is a rewriting of history trying to take place right before our eyes. And it's gonna take some patriots to stand up and say, not on my watch. Those defenders stood strong and they gave the ultimate sacrifice of their lives. And we must make sure that they did not do it in vain. So as your next Texas Land Commissioner, I'll make sure that I don't make backroom deals and empty promises that will not come to fruition, that hurt small businesses and cause places like the Alamo to be of great concern for Texans that love it and love its history. My name is Dr. Tim Wesley, Republican candidate for Texas Land Commissioner. May God bless you. May he bless the great state of Texas and may he bless the United States of America. All right. Pretty good, huh? So in my opinion, for Texas Land Commissioner, you're either going to vote for Victor Avila or you're going to vote for uh, you're going to vote for Mr. Tim Wesley here. Well, those were my two picks anyways. Um, uh, let's see. Lynn RC7 says, I used to buy beautiful Indian jewelry across the street from the Alamo 30 years ago. Oh, are you are you a San Antonio kin also, Lynn? That's awesome. And uh there's still so, there's still some jewelry places there. And uh, Texas Gal says, my daughter is 42. My son is 29. I took both of them there for field trips. Awesomeness. Is this where the wax museum is? My daughter hid in a display. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, well, uh, the haunted house. No, 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 no. The wax museum is actually about, I think, a block or two down uh, towards... Um, I guess, uh, no, it's like a block down, maybe. It's like a block down uh, from there. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily vouch for Ripley's and the Guinness Book of World Records. It's owned by the same guy. It's owned by the same guy, uh, Davis. Um, 
Don Davis or something like that. He, he's my old boss. Those two, actually, I think all three of those franchises are owned by the Davis family in Texas. And uh, he's a great guy. I mean, he was a great boss, you know, and... Um, thing about it is like i don't know if i would necessarily consider those to be great businesses but it is what it is right guys ah it's don buckingham again all right y'all man that was quite a ride there we're already at two hours and we just barely got through the land commissioner okay so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna take a look at the railroad commissioner okay and then we only have two more stops on our tour of the texas ballot and that is for the supreme court position and the texas criminal court position which those are real easy in fact i probably should have started with those uh but these these two were the ones that had the most candidates and so that's why we're going through these and they're also very very important now the texas railroad commissioner position guys <laughs> i've been saying is one of the most dramatic races this side of nowhere, y'all. <laughs> no, it's this side of hell. It's it's crazy. It's the one of the craziest races this side of this side of the 2020 election. <laughs> it's so dramatic. It's it's like this side of of uh, I don't know Daytona wins. Like <laughs> it's pretty crazy, guys. Okay, let's see what we got here for you. Let's take a look at the ballot. And then I'll pull them, I'll pull the, uh, I'll pull the railroad commissioner on there. Now, Texas railroad commissioner is a very, very, I keep saying it's very important. Um, we're talking about like, this is where you can get mixed in with big oil and big energy. Like if you want to be put in, if you want to make a comfy living, making profits off of doing the bidding of big oil and big energy, this is the spot for you. Okay. This, uh, this, um, this, uh, this office also it's very important when we're talking about the energy in Texas. So uh, if you guys will go back to um, the Sea Report episode number 251 and also, um, I believe, Lone Star News episode number 22, we talk about the big Texas freeze. We talk about the Texas power grid down and how that happened and what happened and all of the, all, everything that made it happen. Not just the fact that a lot of our infrastructure was not winter ready, but also there was big money and big energy involved. Okay. There was also um, a lot of political favors being involved here. And there was a lot of very easy, in my opinion, easy to fix and obvious bureaucratic matters that should not have slipped through the cracks. And all of that falls under the purview of the Texas Railroad Commissioner. Very important, guys. We're talking like when you have, when you have hundreds to thousands like Texans dying and millions suffering in a Texas winter freeze like that, which we know is like, it doesn't happen all the time. But, you know, it happened. It can happen. So, again, it is a... Uh, it is a lot, guys. So, uh, Texas Gal says, the railroad commissioner is a B, did a lot of studying on this one. Well, I don't know if you've already cast your vote, Miss Texas Gal, but hopefully we can shed a little bit of light. This, I mean, this one is dramatic, y'all. It's dramatic. We're talking there's death, there's scandal, there's pornography. There's like so, so much stuff. Like it's, it's ridiculous. It is, it is, it is borderline unnecessary. <laughs> Some of the crap that's going on. And you know, that makes you, that makes you have to think guys, 
why is there so much drama going on for Texas Railroad Commissioner? Like, why? It's because this is a very important office, okay? And the big oil and big energy interests in this state want their candidates in there, okay? And I would say they want their incumbent in here, okay? They want their incumbent in here, which is Wayne Christian, all right? Now, I'm I'm of the purview pretty much that if you've been in office or if you're an incumbent, with the exception of maybe Paxton, it's time to go, okay? It's time to go. We need to reset our own state house, all right? Wayne Christian, we'll get to him in just a minute, but first of all, uh, who are our candidates? We got Wayne Christian. We got Tom Slocum Jr. And it's Slocum. Uh, we got Sarah Stogner. Okay. <laughs> She's going to have a career somewhere else this Sarah Stogner person is. Let me tell you what. We got Marvin the Sarge Summers. And we have Dwayne Tipton. All right. Now, this is a tough one, guys. There's like almost not a clear cut here path to choice. But I think I've settled on my man, okay? <laughs> Anyways, so in Texas, the Railroad Commission regulates the oil and gas industry. Members of the three-person board are elected statewide. One seat is up for election in 2022. All right, and there's only one Democrat candidate. So uh, we'll see how the Democrats fare with this one. I'm pretty sure they ain't going to make the ticket. Okay. Now let's go ahead and let me pull up my uh, let me pull up my window for this. I have all these tabs, guys. Okay, all right. So a little clearer definition on the role of the railroad commissioner. Come on, Ballotpedia, let's get it together. Okay. All right. So this says. Uh, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum. Oh, wait, what is this? What are we looking at, Ballotpedia? I thought I was looking at, yeah, Texas uh, Railroad Commissioner election. Come on, let's educate my audience here. What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? Yeah, all the other ones talked about what this role was. Okay. Mm hmm. <laughs> Here we go. The Texas Railroad Commission is a state executive agency in the Texas state government. Despite its name, the commission does not regulate railroads, but instead regulates the oil and gas business Texas. I wonder if that is on purpose, guys. Anyways, historically, the Railroad Commission has been a very powerful office. OPEC, the Middle Eastern oil cartel, was originally modeled in part on the commission. According to the Texas Tribune, the agency has also been a launching pad to higher offices. Okay, so very important, very importante, ladies and gentlemen. All right, there's our first candidate for consideration. Now, this is the incumbent, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who are wondering who this man is, uh, his name is Wayne Christian, and he is currently serving as a Texas Railroad Commissioner. Doesn't he just look like a good old boy, big oil, big, yeah, I'm going to make some money. I'm going to make some money doing what they want. Hey, Tam Grell, what's going on, Digger? 
Okay, so what do we know about this man that they call Wayne Christian? Well, let's take a look at this first. Because, I mean, I'm not voting for this guy. There's no way I'm voting for him. Look at what he, like, in, in some of the recent candidate forums, everyone was going after him for the Texas winter uh, freeze and the, um, <clears throat> the power grid failure. And really, they should, because this, this was part of his job, okay, to make sure that we had our energy and Texans were safe, and he failed. So just based on that, he shouldn't be there, period. But I think that big oil and big energy wants to keep him in. And that's why, for some reason, in the year 2022, the, uh, the, um, the uh, competition for this right? The, 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 the electoral race for this is total, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. Because they want this man to stay in. Okay. That's why we have people dying. That's why we have candidates running around with their boobs hanging out because they're making this such a festival to distract you from stories like this. They, they want to distract you from the power grid down and Wayne Christian's failure as a candidate. And they want to distract you from stories like this. Check this out. Families are suing Railroad Commission over dump north of Midland. And this comes from, uh, well, it says from Yahoo, but it's from like, uh, you know, they're, they're just an aggregate. Anyways, okay. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month, to $9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. An East Texas holding company's proposed nine-story tall oil-filled waste repository 20 miles north of Midland has prompted a lawsuit filed by nearby property owners that is scheduled to be heard in a Travis County court, claiming that the repository dug 30 feet into the ground just above the south end of the massive Ogala Aquifer would probably end up polluting the water. Styled uh, Kelton et al. versus the Texas Railroad Commission, the suit has been combined with one filed by Maybe Ranch M- Mabby, uh, Ranch Royalty Partnership President John W. Mabby, who lives just west of the project that's planned by the High Roller Group of Center in Far East near Louisiana, East Texas. The case is on the docket of 53rd Civil District Court Judge Maria Cantu Hexel in Austin. So a lawsuit spokeswoman uh, says $100,000 was given to the Railroad Commission Commissioner, uh, Commission Chairman Wayne Christensen, just after the commission voted two to one to approve the project on December 8th. Now, as I was going to say, that's a theme that you see 
uh, just like Abbott. Abbott received a million dollars or more from a uh, big energy uh, on both sides of this winter freeze. Okay, so you're giving Wayne Christian a hundred thousand dollars to approve dumping an oil and what was it, an oil repository, a waste oil filled waste repository on top of an aquifer, guys, on top of an aquifer. Um, yeah, this man needs to go. He He's obviously in it to pay to play. He's obviously a crony. He's obviously getting big payouts from big energy, big oil. This is why I say the railroad commissioner, it's a very important office for many reasons, but also why this year's election is so Looney Tunes, because they want you distracted from stories like this, and they want you to forget about what happened last February. Okay, they want Christensen in. That's why. Okay, so it says here, the campaign contribution from HR Environmental of Center, Center Texas was recorded on December 11, 2020 by the Texas Ethics Commission in Austin. Christian is a native of, of Center whose company, Wayne Christian Financial Services, is there. Speaking on behalf of his family, Midland Oil and Gas Attorney Robert W. Bill Kelton III said he was not accusing Christian of taking a bribe. It's legal to give campaign contributions, but it sure does cast a shadow on the integrity of the process when you you do it like that, Kelton said. Filed by Austin attorneys Kieran Walker and Olga Kobzar, the suit claims High Roller did not follow the correct legal procedures before asking the TRC for a ruling, specifically that not all the nearby property owners were notified. Efforts to reach High Roller CEO Dustin Bailey were unsuccessful. My cousin Eddie Frank Kelton called me from Greenville to say he had gotten a box of stuff from this company and center and wanted to know what it was about. I called the railroad commission and they said they were conducting a hearing on the project right then. I immediately faxed them a letter to protest uh, in the fall of 2019 and they recessed the hearing. The case is likely to wind up in the third court of appeals in Travis County and it may even be presented to the Texas Supreme Court. Kelton said a TRC trial examiner had recommended against the plan citing environmental concerns, but the examiner was overridden by Christian and Ryan Sitton, who was succeeded a month later by Jim Wright. Commissioner Christy Craddock voted no. So we had one commissioner who voted no. Okay. We had two that voted yes. Okay. Uh, and that included Wayne Christian, current incumbent for Texas Railroad Commissioner. Okay. So uh, let me see here. Let me go ahead and shrink that down for you guys. Important stuff to know. <clears throat> Another purview on that said, uh, the Odessa American broke the story of a landowner lawsuit invo involving a proposed oil field dump north of Midland. The Railroad Commission staff recommended against the proposal, but Wayne Christian voted in favor of it. And three days later, the group headquartered in center that was behind the dump gave Christian a $100,000 campaign contribution. None of that is necessarily illegal, but Houston, uh, Houston Chronicle columnist Chris Tomlinson did not mince words when he wrote this week that Christian demonstrated what it at best is a profound disregard for ethics and at worst engaged in public corruption. So there you go. There you go. Now we know our opinion on Wayne Christensen. Okay. So no, the man's got to go. Uh, this is... Tom Slocum Jr., 
Not much to be found on this man. I think we have this from Ballotpedia as soon as Ballotpedia gets itself together. Come on, Ballotpedia. Sorry, guys. Yeah, there wasn't... Oh, here we go. Not a whole lot of information on uh, Tom Slocum Jr. Although, uh... First impressions, right? Okay, so let's bring this guy up. I'll go and give you the expansive view. We got his biography here. Slocum Jr. earned a bachelor's degree from Texas A&M in 2005. Slocum's career experience includes working as an oil and gas consultant, the vice president of operations of Artemis Energy Incorporated, and the chief compliance officer of Phoenix Petroleum Group, LLC. He founded the Texas Well Protected Energy Foundation. Okay, so, well, there you have it. I suppose we could visit his website because I didn't get any other information on him. But just to be fair, um, Slocum's family came to Texas in 1880 through the historic town of Indianola on Matagorda, Matagorda Bay, sorry, in Calhoun County. He's a fifth generation Texan and fourth generation Texas oil and gas. Tom knows the regulations because his job depends on it. He works in the field and the office with operators to ensure the rules are followed and applied equally um, across the board with no special treatment. Tom will do the same at the Railroad Commission. Tom is also aware that when change when changes to regulations are needed, it is better to make minor tweaks than major reforms that can be costly. Tom is a fiscal conservative through and through and believes Texans absolutely cannot allow the Railroad Commission to pay another $3.4 billion bailout onto the taxpayers. Now, he's referring to the Texas uh, grid down event because, well, we're going to be fitting that bill. Uh, we cannot allow disastrous federal-style bailouts, bailouts to set precedent in Texas oil and gas, and we cannot allow $200 million, uh, million in orphaned well liability to cripple our great state. Fiscal responsibility must be restored at the commission. So, there you go. That is Tom Slocum Jr. Okay. And uh, let's see. Any crony capitalism that exists currently at the Railroad Commission must come to an end. Tom is endorsed by both oil company CEOs and by landowners. Now, you see, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, as a bad Tom. <laughs> we don't want you to be endorsed by oil company CEOs. That is not... That does not instill in, uh, confidence in me, okay? Because are you going to get a $100,000 payout just like Wayne Christian did or what? Okay, so yeah. I'm, I, you know, I just, no. Okay. <laughs> are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Texas gal said that what from what she read, he takes no donations from oil and gas. Uh, are we talking about Tom Slocum Jr.? Because if we're talking about Tom Slocum Jr., that's good to know. That's good to know. So vote accordingly, guys. That's why I love having an audience here that uh, has some uh, uh, knowledge of this. And uh, thank you for the cookie, Sean Joe. Appreciate your support, sir. And thanks for hanging out with us on a Monday afternoon going through this Texas ballot. Boy, what a job this has been. Um, let's see here. Uh, Texas Gale also says, 
He would like to convert methane gas into electricity. Ooh, how interesting. Well, who knows? Uh, let's see. Let's get through the rest of this. But um, let's uh, let's let's talk about this one here, guys. Now, before we get into the ridiculousness of this candidate, let me say I think she serves a few purposes. One, huge distraction. Okay, one, a huge distraction, <laughs> so that you take your eyes off of Wayne Christian, right, and you put your eyes on her. Okay. Um, the only, the only, conversely speaking, maybe she served to draw attention to the race, okay? But most low information voters and most people who don't normally vote down ticket are not going to be drawn to look and inspect the landscape for Texas Railroad Commissioner just because this one candidate got up on an oil rig or, you know, an oil pump, butt naked, basically, in like, t- in like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> tassels and a, a G-string and a cowboy hat <laughs> and rode. <laughs> this is ridiculous, guys. This is ridiculous. Um, the other thing is maybe she thinks that, uh, she will get the position because all of big oil and big energy will want her as a commissioner, but that's not the way it works. Right. (laughs) So, oh my God. So Texas gal, you haven't voted yet either. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, today and yesterday's, uh, discourse, uh, helps at least clear a path. Uh, towards decision. I I think we can both agree that we're not voting for this one, right? But we have to talk about her. So yeah, so um, I think this woman's more of a distraction away from people like Christensen. So you're looking at the ridiculousness of a, of a naked candidate out here. And so, okay, well, let's just get on with it, guys. This is uh, Sarah, where's her name at? Sarah Slocum? No, Sarah Strong- Strongum. Why is her name not on my list? Well, I guess it's not important, but her name is Sarah Strongham. And uh, let's go on here. Sarah Strogner. Okay. All right. So we're going to play a video now, guys, about Sarah Strogner. Yeah. Lynn, Lynn, R- <laughs> Lynn RC7 says that picture is all I need to see. No vote. Uh, I know, right? Like, why waste your time on her, Mr. C? Because brevity. I mean, levity, guys. <laughs> A little levity to today. <laughs> Here's a news report on Sarah Stogner and her crazy stunt to become Texas Railroad Commissioner. New at 10, a candidate for the Railroad Commission faces backlash tonight for a racy campaign video. The TikTok shows a Republican seated on top of an oil pump jack, almost completely naked. She tells Eyewitness News reporter Matt Houston she's trying to make a point. With Stogner, please vote early starting tomorrow. Despite the TikTok, Sarah Stogner is not a fringe candidate. In a January U of H poll, she finished second, just four points behind the railroad commissioner she wants to replace. The Express News even endorsed her in the Republican primary until today. I don't even know where to begin. I've never, as a political scientist, I've never seen anything like this. UTSA political scientist John Taylor says the TikTok is working as intended, though he finds little comfort in its success. You know, we're not an idiocracy yet, but it sometimes makes you wonder when you see stuff like this. Thousands of people have already watched the video, 
perhaps highlighting how little attention the railroad commissioner's race usually earns. Sad, Taylor says, since they're among the most powerful politicians in Texas, charged with regulating oil and gas. Stogner says that's partly her point. I want to talk about flaring. I want to talk about winterizing our intrastate pipelines. But that's boring. That doesn't get clickbait. But it doesn't seem like people are talking about the serious issues. They're talking about you. That, that's not my intent. I want to put my clothes back on and have a serious conversation. I mean, was that the best way to do this? Look, do I? It, maybe not. Maybe not. But it's all I got. The Railroad Commission will do especially important work this year. Keep in mind, lawmakers have charged them with overseeing the winterization of natural gas plants most responsible for the power grid failure last February. Remember, early voting is going on right now. I'm Matt Houston, KINS 5 Eyewitness News. Thank you, Matt. Okay, guys. So, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I know. Uh, You know... (laughs) Uh, she's, you know, I just, not to be judgmental. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you, Texas gal. You said it better than I could have. A Dallas cowboy cheerleader. Thank you. I was thinking more like Stogner does Dallas kind of stuff. Okay. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Ridiculous. You know, if the primaries weren't tomorrow... I would maybe invite her on the show if she wanted to come just for the hell of it. But <laughs> watch my ratings soar, right? Suddenly Mr. Cian is, is, is catapulted into the national level. All right, let's take a look at this article here. We're not going to spend too much time on her, but we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll entertain this for just a few minutes. Who is Sarah Stogner? Texas Railroad Commissioner candidate draws flack for racy campaign ad. Uh, the video featured a scantily clad Sarah Stogner sitting on an oil rig. A Republican candidate for Texas Railroad Commissioner was trolled on social media for a racy video ad that showed her sitting on an oil rig semi-naked. Sarah Stogner, 37, posted the video on Twitter on Super Bowl Sunday. The video featured an underclothed Stogner asking viewers to vote early ahead of the March 1 primary. A snippet of Apache by the Sugar Hill Gang could be heard in the background for the ads. Dogner captioned the video as, They said I needed money. I have other assets. And interesting enough, she did not show her asset. Anyways, okay. So that's about it. There's, yeah. It looks like she's got a diaper on there. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then there's another one where she's riding a mechanical bull. Uh, here's one. Um, ask the same question, but that's not what we're looking for. Uh, who is the Texas candidate? Not, I mean, that's not what she's going to be, though. So did she lose endorsements? On Sunday, February 13th, 2022, Sarah Stogner shared a video across her social media platforms deemed as many to be scandalous. The lawyer appeared to be semi-nude. And it's, you know, from my understanding, most people who work in lawyers' offices are usually semi-nude or just inappropriate. In the video used for campaigning purposes, Stogner can be, at least in some areas, can be seen posing on a pump jack wearing nothing but underwear and pasties. Um, It says, after the clip began to circulate across the internet, the San Antonio Express News uh, editorial board announced they would be dropping their endorsement of Stogner. So she did lose some endorsements. You see, I mean, come on, look at her. Anyways, um, what did Sarah say about the dropped endorsements? She says it's slut shaming. 
Uh, I mean, why is she... Anyways, okay, guys. Well, we're done with Sarah Stogner. I just, you know, drama, drama, drama. Okay. Now, <laughs> Tam Growl. You know, she does have a point, as Lynn R.C. says. You know, she's using that to draw attention, but I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't know. I mean... She could she could very well be one of the damn best Texas Railroad Commissioners we've ever had. But I you know, I just uh what can I say? I mean I'm I'm at a loss for words, guys. <laughs> I've ridden in them jeans and oil gets all over you. <laughs> She needs it. I bet she needs a good scrubbing, says Texas gal. That's funny. All right, guys. So the next story, uh, the next railroad commissioner to consider. Now, this one is a sad one. This one makes me wonder, okay, where you have big oil and big energy concerned and you have a uh, if you and you have um, an election uh, campaign or a race. This man is dead. Okay. And uh, he died in a car accident. All right. Now this makes me think about, um, who is that over there in, uh, was it South Carolina? Uh, Arrington. I think Arrington is her last name who was, uh, she's, a, she was a Trump supported Trump endorsed America, America first MAGA Patriot running in South Carolina. And all of a sudden she gets hit by a car in that's going in the opposite direction. She's thr- she fortunately she doesn't she does not die but she gets tossed out of the race okay because of it obviously suffering suffering severe injuries well this candidate it makes me wonder if this candidate was the one to beat if this is the one that big oil you know and I know it sounds paranoia right but you know I'm just going with what my gut says and it makes me wonder if this candidate was one was not one that they were worried about okay so I had to do a little bit of searching to see where he stood what his policies were and stuff like that prior because now all the headlines just talk about how he died um but this guy is Marvin Sarge Summers Marvin Sarge Summers so he's no longer in the race but again there's never been so much drama in a, an election competition than I think than in this one, aside from like, I don't know, the 2020 general election, November 3. Uh, let's see what the article says about Marvin Sarge Summers. It says GOP Railroad Commission hopeful Sarge Summer dies in a crash. One of the five candidates for the Republican Texas Railroad Commission nomination has been killed in a traffic crash while traveling from a West Texas campaign appearance. Um, it says here that, um, Marvin Leon Sarge Summers, 69 of Lubbock was killed Tuesday when the sport utility vehicle he was driving slammed into the rear of a tanker truck, according to a Midland city spokeswoman. The crash happened about 1.30 p.m. on Texas 349 on the city's northern outskirts as Summers was traveling from an American Association of Drilling Engineers luncheon in Midland. The Railroad Commission regulates Texas oil and gas industry. Police determined that the truck was turning uh, from an outside lane into a private drive when Summers' 2019 Cadillac Escalade slammed into the rear of the trailer. So there was a trailer truck turning into a private drive from an outside lane. And Summers' 
2019 Cadillac Escalade. I should see if they have QNX technology on the 2019 Cadillac, ladies and gentlemen, because QNX technology can be remotely controlled. I know, you guys, this is not in the dark. Why am I getting so conspiracy theorists, right? QNX uh, technology. (laughs) Anyways, okay. Now, the reason why I say that is because, uh, as the article goes on to say here... The uh, Escalade slammed into the rear trailer, says the city spokesperson. Okay, it doesn't say in this one, but there's another one that says that he did not slow down. He just drove straight into it. Also seeking that, I mean, maybe he had a medical condition. Maybe something was happening in the car. Maybe he was distracted. I don't know. Also seeking the GOP nomination for the Railroad Commission in the March 1 primary is incumbent Wayne Christian. Tom Slow. Okay, so that's pretty much it on that one. Uh, Let me see what we got next here. Yeah. Oh, well, that's it. That's all we got. Here's, here's, another, here's another story. Now, what, did I, what was I doing here? I mean, it does have cutting-edge technology, that 2019 Escalade Cadillac. I'm, I'm going to dig more into that, guys. I'll dig more into that, but uh, I'll let you know what I find. Okay, so uh, why I thought I had I thought I had some more information on this man. Apparently, I don't. Uh, but I mean, hey, maybe that's something I'll just dig into on the side, since he's no longer in the race. So, the uh, the field titans, not titans, but it titans, with an e and a g h. Okay. All right. So uh, this is candidate uh, Tipton, Dwayne Tipton, ladies and gentlemen, Dwayne Tipton. Now, uh, let's see what we got about Dwayne Tipton here. Here is his biography. It says, after completing college at University of Central Arkansas, Dwayne Tipton, went to work as a floor hand for Southwestern Energy in Odessa, Texas. He quickly worked his way up to a driller. Afterwards, he worked on drilling and engineering operations all over the globe, including in Mexico, Canada, Mozambique, and the Arctic Ocean. Based in Killeen, Texas, Tipton brings more than 18 years of engineering experience in offshore drilling, including work on platforms, drills, ships, drill ships, and deep and in deep water His work experience has been immersed in every facet of the oil and gas industry, from exploration to risk engineering on pipelines and production facilities. Dwayne's top priority of elected railroad commissioner is keeping Texas oils and gas industry healthy and independent of job-killing regulations. The creation of of high-paying jobs while doing what is best for Texas families is his main goal. Maximizing the benefits of natural resources for all Texans will ensure a robust Texas economy. He is a fiscal conservative who believes in a leaner, in a leaner and more efficient government. Dwayne has the expertise to ensure it happens, according to this article's biography on him. Uh, here is an article from KLTV. Let's see what this says about Mr. DeWayne. Uh, good evening, Levi Ulysses. Or Levi Ulysses. 
Levi Ulysses. Uh, no, I am not in Austin, sir, but I am in Texas. Close enough to Austin. Um, let's see here. This article says, Dwayne Tipton, one of the Republicans who is running for Texas Railroad Commissioner, said he is best qualified for the position because of his years of experience in the oil and gas industry. The reason why I'm running for the Texas Railroad Commission is that I believe we need somebody up there who has oil and gas experience and understands what is going on with the industry, somebody we can depend on. Tipton said when East Texas Now host Jeremy Butler asked him why he is running for railroad commissioner. I started out as a roughneck through a lot of hard work. I moved up through the ranks. I was a driller, a tool pusher, and a drilling man in drilling management. Tipton said he last worked as a manager for one of the largest oil and gas companies in the world. I'm going to do what's best for Texas. Butler explained that the Texas Railroad Commission has nothing to do with railroad. It is the only state agency that regulates the oil and gas industry. Tipton is facing incumbent Wayne Christian, Slocum, Stogner, and uh, let's see here. Uh, so that's all it has to say about him in that... Let me go and pull out here and uh, let me see if I got something else. Okay, so here's an opinion piece from the Houston Chronicle. Generally, I don't take their opinion, but uh, <clears throat> let's see. It says here, let me get uh, this in. Uh, thanks, Levi. I don't know who you are, so I probably would not have met up with you in Austin. Okay, but I appreciate the uh, invitation. Okay, um, it says Tipton, best in GOP primary for rail railroad commission. Now, if the Houston Chronicle is going to endorse them, I, I might have my reservations, but it says here, the Texas Railroad Commission's mission statement can seem contradictory at first glance. It commits to being good stewards of Texas environment while also pledging to promote the oil and gas industry and uh, protect the safety of those of us who live here. For too long, the agency has favored industry and all but left it to regulate itself. The bare minimum standards adopted by the commission in the aftermath in February's devastating winter storm Yuri, which killed more than 200 people and cost billions, are, the only, uh, are only the latest and most egregious examples. It's time for a change and the only people authorized by the Texas Constitution to make it are the voters. Uh, so they heartily recommend replacing Wayne Christian. Okay. Um, it talks about Wayne Christian here a little bit, and it goes on to Dwayne. We recommend Dwayne Tipton, 41, a longtime oil and gas worker who climbed the industry ladder from rough neck to upper management. He has hands-on experience and a firm grasp of the science and technology shaping the industry's future. His focus on holding oil and gas operators accountable is sorely needed at an agency that too often ignores bad behavior. Tipton intends to overhaul the commission's inspections department and improve safety regulations. Most importantly, Tipton committed to holding repeat violators accountable, particularly on areas such as weatherizing and forcing operators to pay out of pocket to cap abandoned wells that leak contaminants into the air and groundwater. Most impressive, Tipton proposed a better way for the commission to prepare for freezing weather in the future, create an inspection task force to ensure the gas operators are weatherized and if not, administer consequences. And uh, let's see here. By contrast, the current leadership at the RRC at first, at first attempted to eschew responsibility for the grids near collapse last year. Christian was one of the first public officials to peddle the lie that renewable energy sources caused power outages. Okay, we need to get rid of Wayne Christensen. 
or Wayne Christian, I apologize. Even after this claim was debunked by federal regulators, he refused to apologize and instead doubled down. It's one reason we called for his resignation in November. Okay, we don't need to talk about Strogner. Uh, let's see here. Tom Slocum, 38, stresses the importance of blockchain technology and the rise of cryptocurrency on one hand and on the other, vowing to secure Texas energy resources by competing, uh, completing a border wall. Neither priority strikes us as the first right focus for the Texas Railroad. Okay. Uh, Tipton is our choice, they say. So that's that's the, that's just, a, I guess, a little bit more perspective there, guys. Um, into this uh, Dwayne Tipton. So at the conclusion of that, ladies and gentlemen, Railroad Commissioner is a tough one. Um, for me... I would have to say I'm between uh, Tom Slocum and Dwayne Tipton. Those are my two right there. Uh, I, th I think I'm leaning more towards Slocum, though. I think I'm leaning more towards Slocum. So, very important. And then, of course, we hold them accountable if they should act out of order, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that concludes our brief foray, I know it wasn't brief, guys, into the Texas Railroad Commissioner candidates for the GOP ticket, ladies and gentlemen. Whoa, whoa, that was a crazy ride, y'all. All right, what do we got left? We got two more, two more, uh, two more contests that we're going to look at, guys. Uh, I apologize right off the top. We are not going to be looking at the uh, school uh, uh, board education places contests. Um, but, you know, we, we brought, I think we brought you guys a fair amount of information for what's going on right now. Okay, so last two that we're going to consider for tonight or for this afternoon. And then we will adjourn until the C-Report later on this evening, which... Incidentally, I have not even gotten ready yet, so you might want to look for a late night C report tonight, guys. Not too late, but, you know, I'll still need some prep time. Um, so we're going to skip all the house. Oh, wait, let me see if it's. Oh, yeah, we're going to skip through the house seats, the Senate seats, the congressional seats, all that stuff. That was up to you guys to take care of that in your own district. Um, since we're doing all the other contests, basically, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? Really? Okay. Maybe we should do it this way. <laughs> okay. Next thing we're going to look at is, uh, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum. the Supreme, no, we're gonna look at the Texas court of criminal appeals first. Okay. Now I'll tell you guys right off the bat I seriously believe that everyone on the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals needs to go, period. They all need to go, okay, because the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals took away the ability for the attorney general to prosecute election fraud. All of them unanimously voted against, I mean, voted, uh, voted to remove that ability from the attorney general. They wanted to go back to the city district attorneys, right? Most of whom are out of George Soros's pocket. Most of whom, you know, are not going to uh, prosecute election fraud. So they, he got to go. Like they all got to go. Okay. So here is, unfortunately, 
We have, ter- you know what? I'm going to write in, I'm going to write in a name on this one. Uh, Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Uh, you have no, <laughs> you have no Democrat uh, uh, challenger, which is fine because they, they would probably be in uh, George Soros's pocket anyways. And then you have Mary Lou Keel incumbent voted against, voted against the AG prosecuting election fraud. Okay. So I'm going to write in a name, guys. Whose name do you think we should write in there? Huh? Okay, now uh, on place number five, you have Dana Huffman, not worth talking about, and you have Clint Morgan, and you have Scott Walker, okay, incumbent, Scott Walker. Scott's got to go. Sorry, Scott, you got to go. You voted to take away the AG's ability to prosecute election fraud. You need to go, okay? And then on place six, incumbent with no primary challenger, Jesse McClure third. He needs to go as well. Whose name should we write in on this one, guys? <laughs> I'm gonna write in names if we have the ability to. I'm, I'm gonna write in. I'm gonna write in Ken Paxton. <laughs> I know. Anyways, okay. So that's whose name I'm gonna put in there. I'm gonna put Ken Paxton on both of them because they took that away, and that is just no bueno, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, Texas highest court of criminal for criminal cases. The Court of Criminal Appeals consists of a presiding judge and eight judges. They are elected by the voters of the entire state. They hold their offices for terms of six years, ladies and gentlemen. And since we have that preface about what these judges did now, make no mistake. This is the highest court. There is no court over this for Paxton to appeal what they did to, except for the Supreme Court, okay? But even in those cases, if it's like a criminal case, it doesn't even go to the Supreme Court. It stays there with the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals. So we'll go ahead and skip over that. Okay. All right, so let's just look at this article real quick way. Just for a little bit of an explanation, Republican-dominated Texas Court of Criminal Appeals strips Attorney General Paxton of power to prosecute voter fraud and strikes down Election Code Subchapter B, Section 273.021. So why do you think these guys are doing that? Like, what is up with that? They all look like reptiles. Anyways, okay. This is the judge right here that we're looking to replace. That is Scott Walker right there. He looks like a Skeksis, right? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Incredibly, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, composed of nine Republicans, issued an eight to one decision on December 15th. Okay, so eight of them. All right. Um, on December 15, 2021, that prohibits the Texas Attorney General from prosecuting violations of the Texas Election Code. There is a huge problem with organized voter fraud in counties controlled by the pro-communist Democrats. These counties are located in the major metropolitan areas of Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, and San Antonio. The district attorneys in each of these areas are Democrats who participate in and benefit from the voter fraud schemes. 
If the Texas Attorney General, who is currently Republican, Ken Paxton, cannot prosecute Democrat voter fraud, then we are left with the fox guarding the hen house. Evidence of voter fraud prior to the 2020 general election was brought to the attention of Kim Ogg, Harris County DA, and her office refused to investigate the allegations. So now the Republicans have no one to investigate the massive voter fraud and ballot harvesting schemes perpetrated by the pro-communist Democrats. And I don't doubt either, guys, that ballot trafficking also took place in places like Harris and Tarrant, or yeah, Harris Tarrant and Dallas counties, guys. I have no doubt they had ballot traffickers there. I bet you the True the Vote investigation is going to show just that, y'all. You watch. Mark my words. Okay. It says, uh, this gives the Democrats full reign to steal the elections without facing any consequences for their criminal activities. Remember, it's not who votes, but who controls which votes are counted that determines the election. This decision came in the case State of Texas versus Zena Collins Stevens. Stevens. Zena Stevens was a candidate for sheriff of Jefferson County who was charged by the attorney general's office for violating a provision of the Texas election code. Stevens challenged the authority of the attorney general to bring criminal charges against her. And you can read the majority opinion at this link. This is the background of the case. Stevens was elected to the position of sheriff of Jefferson County in 2016 while investigating someone else. The FBI uncovered information regarding potential campaign finance violations concerning Stevens. The FBI then turned this information over to the Texas Rangers. The Rangers investigation concluded that Stevens received individual cash campaign contributions in excess of $100. The Rangers presented their findings to the Jefferson County District Attorney, who declined to prosecute, referring the Rangers to the Attorney General. The Rangers then presented the results of their investigation to the Attorney General, who presented the case to the Grand Jury in Chambers County, a county adjoining Jefferson County. The Attorney General relied on Elections Code Section 273.021 to prosecute a criminal offense prescribed by the elections law of this state. In April of 2018, the Chambers County Grand Jury indicted Stevens, charging her with accepting cash contributions in violation of Texas Election Code. The state district court judge quashed her indictment. The decision was appealed to the first court of appeals, which agreed with the state and found that Election Code Section 273.021A clearly and unambiguously gives the Attorney General power to prosecute criminal laws prescribed by elections laws, generally whether those laws are inside or outside the code. Article 4, Section 22 of the Texas Constitution states, The Attorney General shall represent the state in all suits and pleas in the Supreme Court of the state in which the state may be a party and perform such other duties as may be required by the law. The election code was amended by the Texas legislature in 1951 in subchapter B, Section 273, Point zero twenty one, which gave the attorney general additional authority to prosecute violations of the Texas election code. Okay, we'll skip over that, um, <clears throat> which is just, we're skipping over the, the wording of the law. It says here, Texas attorney general lacks constitutional authority to independently prosecute a crime in a district or inferior court without the consent of appropriate local county or district attorney by a deputization order. Okay, so that was the decision of the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals issued on December 15th, 2021. 
It is an outrageous decision, okay? It, it took mental gymnastics to come up with this decision. These eight Republican judges on the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals put a gun to their own heads and to the head of every statewide Republican office holder and candidate, including the 2024 Republican presidential candidate, okay? Um, so uh, I think we guys, we got the idea, right, of what we're talking about here. Okay, so that's why this is a pretty open and shut case of why we need to replace Judge Scott Walker with uh, Mr. Mergen here. All right, Mr. Mergen. Yeah, okay, so there is the picture of your Skeksy Scott Walker, right? The Skeksis himself, and there is his, uh, there is his competitor in the competition. All right. Uh, we really don't need to go through all this, but just so you can get to know Clint Morgan a little bit. Uh, so you're not just going in there blindly with your fists, like, pumping in the air like I am. Uh, let's see. His legal experience, got, uh, Clint Morgan says, I've been an appellate prosecutor in Harris County for nine and a half years. During that time, he's been lead counsel in nearly 300 cases and written nearly 400 briefs making him the most productive appellate prosecutor in Harris County and maybe the most productive in the state. For two years, he was a clerk and then research attorney for Judge Paul Womack at the Court of Criminal Appeals. For those two years, Judge Womack wrote the most opinions on of any judge in the court. His jury trial experience, he's an appellate lawyer, um, and he's been brought in to help with complex legal issues in dozens of jury trials. Uh, let's see if there's anything else here to share. His judicial philosophy. He says he is an originalist, which means he interprets constitutions and statutes by giving the words the meaning they had when they were adopted. As Justice Alito has explained, originalism is the idea that the Constitution has a fixed meaning. It does not change. It means what people would have understood it to mean at the time it was written. He says he believes that the original meaning of a constitution trumps any later precedent that conflicts with the original meaning. In this way, he is like Justice Thomas. He believes a judge's duty is to the constitution, not to case law that misinterpreted it. Okay, so as far as Scott Walker, I don't even care to read what he has to say. Um, okay. So there's a little bit on Clint Mergen. So this way you guys aren't just flying in there blindly. And this was another article I had. Texas Republicans pressure court to reverse decision blocking attorney general. But uh, it's, uh, you know, we're running, we're running out of time here, guys. So we got to wrap this up quick. Um, election fraud enforcement center stage, right? Okay, so this is also about this whole, this is from the Texas scorecard. I'll have all of these links on my website as soon as the resources page is up. In case you just want to read these. They're very, very interesting articles about this, uh, this um, egregious scandal of the law. Conservative groups support Clint Morgan. Okay, so let's just take a look at this one, okay, before we uh, get to our final contest to look at. It is a shame, Lynn R.C., that no one else is running against these judges. We need more, more active, active, uh, active patriots uh, doing this, guys. Okay, so conservative groups support Clint Morgan for Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Let me go ahead and expand that for you guys. Am I on? Are we in immersive? Woohoo! Okay, better. 
All right. Uh, The often overlooked judicial race is gaining attention from conservatives following a controversial decision by the incumbent. As early voting continues in the March primary election, conservatives are supporting Clint Morgan over incumbent Scott Walker for a seat in the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Though judicial races are often uncontested and overlooked amid the publicity of a statewide race, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals recently drew a spotlight after ruling that the Office of the Attorney General does not have the authority to prosecute voter fraud. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton asked the court to reconsider their ruling, claiming the decision opens the door for rampant voter fraud in counties with already questionable voting practices. However, incumbent Judge Walker and his colleagues on the court voted 8-1 to one to remove criminal prosecution power in voter fraud from the AG. Judge Walker was elected in 2016 following Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker's failed presidential campaign, and many theorized that the shared name of a famous conservative was a deciding factor in the election. That's why we have someone named Rick Perry running for governor. So that low information voters will vote for Rick Perry. I mean, it, that is that is a tactic that is used out there, guys. OK, so now Walker's challenger, Clint Morgan, is receiving support from many conservative organizations. The Texas True Project Board unanimously recommended uh, Morgan, noting that this is Texas's chance to undo a silly vote for Scott Walker, who only won because he has the same name as someone famous. Grassroots America, we the people, endorsed Morgan, stating that court desperately needs clear-thinking, principled originalists on the bench. Um, And iVoter Guide evaluated both Morgan and Walker and found that although Walker leans originalist, Morgan received a conditional rating of originalist due to his response on the candidate questionnaire. Texas Rights Life and multiple other local conservative groups also endorsed Mergen. Okay, so this is a very important race, guys. A very important contest, along with Texas Railroad Commissioner. Very important. So I hope if you guys hadn't looked that far down the ballot, that helps out a little bit. Okay, and then there's his website, Clint Morgan Criminal Court of Appeals or Court of Criminal Appeals Place Number Five, and that is ClintForJudge.com. All right, let's look at the Texas Supreme Court so we can call it a day, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for hanging out with us this late today. So here are uh, our two choices for Texas uh, Supreme Court. We got two guys. Um, It's only two. Oh, actually, you know what? Just to be uniform, ladies and gentlemen. Boop. Okay. All right, let's go ahead and pull down the map. Supreme Court of Texas. We got three of the nine seats on the Supreme Court that are up for election in 2022. Justices are elected statewide and Republicans currently hold all the seats. Okay, so we got uh, Supreme Court uh, Republican incumbent Deborah Lerman. We have uh, that's place three. Place five is Rebecca Eisperu Huddle. That's the incumbent. And then we have Republican uh, Evan Young is the incumbent. All right. And then we have David J- David J. Schenck, who is the challenger. So there's only one challenge in this place here. And that is for place number nine. Okay. Just to, uh, just to be a little bit clear here. Now let's go through a couple of articles real quick. And uh, it says here. Whoopsies. What do we got going on? 
Evan Young, a former clerk to conservative U.S. Supreme Court, Justice Antonin Scalia, is appointed to Texas Supreme Court. So I picked this up just so this way you could see uh, his uh, history. Now, Young replaced Justice Eva Guzman. Okay. Now, this isn't a, he was appointed, right? He was appointed, so now they have to vote, okay? Because he was appointed when she stepped out. Now, Eva Guzman is running for AG right now. I'm not voting for Eva Guzman. I can tell you that. But that's just so you have some background. Governor Greg Abbott named Austin lawyer Evan Young to the Texas Supreme Court. He was a, he was a clerk uh, for the, US, the late U.S. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, okay? Um, and uh, let's see here. He was counsel to attorneys general under former President George W. Bush. Okay. He was appointed by Abbott. That's just a little bit of history on Young. It says here, narrow challenge to Texas abortion law argued before the Supreme Court. Now, just kind of a summary. You know, we had the uh, Texas Supreme Court. We had the whole abortion, the heartbeat bill, all that stuff. And uh, of course, it was appealed, right? Appealed, appealed, appealed. Uh, one of the appeals that went forward had to do with whether or not a uh, a doctor or a certified cl- uh, clinic could also enforce that bill. Okay, now they were like, you know, uh, you're you're leaving it to citizens to enforce it. Now they want to know, it, and you know, anyone can. But they're like, can uh, can uh, can doctors and clinics enforce the bill? Like they wanted to make sure they couldn't. So those agencies would potentially be responsible for disciplining or revoking the license of doctors, nurses, and pharmacists who violate the law. That was their concern. The U.S. Supreme Court threw out most of the arguments in a December ruling that allowed the law to remain in effect, that allowed the heartbeat bill to remain in effect. The justices did allow one question to proceed over whether state medical licensing officials play a role in enforcing the law. Okay, because those agencies would potentially be responsible for disciplining or revoking the licenses of doctors, nurses and pharmacists who violated the law. Uh, The U.S. Supreme Court threw this question back to the lower courts. The fifth U.S. Court threw it back to the Texas Supreme Court. And uh, the justice questioned the justices questioned whether doctors might be obligated by the rules of the state's medical licensing board to report any lawsuits brought against them for violating an abortion law and whether that would constitute state enforcement. Now, the reason why I'm reading this to you guys is because the only person who had a question about this was Supreme Court Justice Texas Evan Young. Okay, so um, when it boiled down to it, he was wondering if we could just make this language unambiguous to say yay or nay, whether or not. According to this law, doctors, I mean, licensing um, facilities could or could not revoke or discipline those who violated the law. Okay, so it said here, their current argument is that the state's enforcement authority, okay, their current argument is that the state's enforcement authority through medical licensing officials contributes to the chilling effect on abortion providers, okay? If the state Supreme Court decides that medical licensing officials do not have enforcement authority or the boards add language to their rules confirming that, that chilling effect is lifted, okay? So they want it to be unambiguous. But here's the thing. If they're for it, then that means that the state is regulating and disciplining um, abortion. So that's not going to be bueno, 
if they tell you that it's that they won't be able to um to uh to discipline um, through medical licensing state officials, then that means that uh, doctors can give abortions at their discretion, okay? So it's a catch-22 here, guys, in that regard. Now, Justice Evan Young asked Mark Heron, senior counsel for the Center of Reproductive Rights, whether that would be a win for the abortion providers. And uh, they said, if you were to do that, that would at minimum provide our clients some certainty. Either we can move forward and declare you unconstitutional, because if a licensing board is disciplining, then that is the state regulating and that is the state, um, you know, blocking abortions. And if you don't, then our doctors can do it without fear of losing their practice. Okay, so as Heron says, it would, however, essentially end our challenge because it's they'll get their way either way. Okay, so this article does not make uh, that point that I'm telling you about Evans, but check this out. In this article, it says here that Evans asks the question or makes the statement. Um, Where are you at? Okay, so Justice Justice Evan Young asked if the court could just eliminate the ambiguity and conclude that SB8 does not allow licensing officials to indirectly enforce the law. Okay, so Justice Evans wants... I mean, it's, it's, I think it's ambiguous. I think it's ambiguous by design because it's a catch-22. If licensing can affect it, uh, can discipline, then that's a state office regulating and then it's unconstitutional, okay? But if it can't, then doctors know that they're not going to lose their license for violating the law. So if they want to do it, they can do it. Justice Evan Young wants to eliminate the ambiguity and say beyond a reasonable doubt... Licensing officials cannot indirectly enforce the law. So what does that tell you about Judge Evan Young? Okay, that's about as meaty as the meat of the saucy of the sauce that I could find on this guy because the current uh, Eva Guzman, who was in that position, she is no longer running. This This just happened within a year. So there's not a lot of stuff on how he rules in that regard. But uh, that, is, that is kind of saying something. Now, here's David Schenk. This is his, uh, his challenger. We'll just read his bio real quick. It says here, uh, since graduating first in his class at Baylor Law School, uh, Justice David Schenk has built a reputation of integrity and independence throughout his expansive three-decade career. Um, a strict conservative constructionist, he is an ethical principled stalwart who is applauded for standing up against cronyism and any form of pay-to-play politics that are far too common today. In fact, that is basically his platform, is, is to stop crony, uh, crony politics and pay-for-play politics. He, that's what he's running on. Transparency and anti-big uh, old uh, good old boys club stuff. Appointed to the 5th District Court of Appeals by Governor Rick Perry in 2015, Justice Schenck was elected to a full term in the largest appellate district in the state in 2016, demonstrating his ability to be elected in a tough election prior to that. Uh, Known and respected for both his legal expertise and his leadership, Judge Schenck oversaw key practices ranging from litigation to appeals for private law firms. In 2010, he joined the Office of Attorney General Greg Abbott, serving as Deputy Attorney General for Legal Counsel for two years as Chief Legal Counsel to the Attorney General. He also led the team defending the state's redistricting plans. Okay, so there's a little bit about Schenck. 
Let me see if I got anything else on him. Here's his candidate profile. He's an originalist. He's almost a 100% originalist. So that's a good thing, right? We learned what an originalist is with uh, Clint Morgan. Okay. So uh, let's see here. He's been endorsed by Bob Hall, Jeff Carson, Rodney Anderson. The e Texas Eagle Forum, Texas Right to Life has endorsed him. Um, let's see here. Well, those are contributional stuff. So he's a 4% liberal. <laughs> If that makes any uh, difference to anybody, right? He's 96% conservative. Uh, here's, some, uh, here's some opinions that he wrote. Um, I, think we'll, I think we're okay here. Well, I mean, needless to say, I'm most likely going to vote for Schenck, guys. Um, because Clint Young seems a little wet behind the ears to me. He seems a little young, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, here's some values. I agree with critical race theory, which asserts that the institutions in the United States are fundamentally racist. He strongly disagrees. Uh, Judeo-Christian values establish a framework of morality that is necessary for our system of limited government. Strongly agree. Uh, briefly describe your spiritual beliefs and values. I am a Christian. I'm a member of the Highland Park Methodist Church for approximately 20 years and started attending Grace Church in Plano during the pandemic. Um, what types of pro bono work have you done? He's worked to protect the Second Amendment, life and religious liberty, and the right of parents to raise children in accordance with their beliefs, subject to the right to protect children from imminent harm. Okay, so that's a little bit about Shank. Oh, ho, ho. Okay, this is a press reader. Um, is this written by? Okay, that's by Dave Lieberman. So Young is unavailable. Schenck explained his campaign premise in several interviews with the watchdog. His primary opponent declined to speak to me. Instead, Young's campaign spokesperson released a statement. As a justice on Texas court Supreme, a Supreme Court, I can make only one promise to follow the law in every case that comes before me. Yeah, that, sounds pretty, that sounds pretty ambiguous to me if you ask me. Texas law, it says here, he's pointing out that Texas laws, a law allows law firms to give donations to judges who hear their cases. Shank points to studies that show lawyers from top firms who donate to Supreme Court justices are more likely to get their cases heard and win than if they did not donate. That's legal, but other states have enacted rules to prevent the appearance of conflicts. Texas has not. Wow. He told me, I'm not saying anyone is violating the rules here. The problem is the rules and the inaction by those who set them up. With all our courts, and especially our state Supreme Court, even the appearance that outcomes are correlated to contributions is intolerable. Courts are supposed to be impartial and nonpartisan, and that gives them their credibility. Judges are supposed to decide on reason and facts, not favors and contributions. We have great courts and great people on them, he said, but the appearance problem has been with us for 20 years. The state has the power and obligation to eliminate this appearance. So Shank, guys, is my man on the ticket for Tuesday. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was a whirlwind of a... Uh, Lone Star News, guys. I think that's the longest one that we've had. You guys, thank you all for hanging out with us on this Monday afternoon. We will have the sea report coming in probably a little bit late tonight, guys, but we'll do an episode nonetheless. 
Uh, and uh, there's no telling what we'll be covering, you know. Uh, ooh, nuclear war. I mean, come on, guys. We all know that Putin probably didn't say that. But that's all I got to say about that. Please, please pass this information along. I will have this available on, uh, on our podcast as well. In case you don't have time to have your eyeballs glued to a screen, well, then you can definitely put it in your ears and take it on the go, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're out of time here. Thank you again for hanging out with us this afternoon. And, uh, well, I mean, you know, if you're going to be hitting up those, uh, those polls on Tuesday, I hope that this has provided some insight for you all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for being here with us. And as always, be safe, be blessed. God bless Texas and God bless the United States of America. We will see you next time.